can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I don't think anybody else can believe it that I actually got the intro and theme song working. But here we are, episode eight. Welcome to the Coin Jam podcast. And we've finally got it figured out how to actually do things. Um, and uh, I say that as I'm still struggling to uh, juggle uh, everything. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming. We got a bunch of folks here already. Uh, we got five of our six uh, co-hosts. I forgot to get myself an adult beverage. I might have to jump up and grab that at some point, but uh, awesome. So thanks everyone for coming. This is actually a very special episode of the Coin Jam podcast. We are, <laughs> we are joined by uh, Josh and Chance from the Canadian Arcade to share, uh, share in the festivities and to share a very, very uh, cool story about how the two of them helped uh, put together and operate and run um, an entire arcade filled with classic games uh, for a major, major Hollywood blockbuster TV show that uh, hopefully they'll be able to mention without uh, uh, big Hollywood lawyers from L.A. shutting down this uh, this live stream uh, midstream. But uh, more on that later. Uh, I think we'll be joined by uh, Liam uh, from Retrobotics in just a moment. Um, but uh, we've got our typical co-hosts here, Jeremiah from CoinOp Corner. Kay from Prime Arcade, myself, Charlie from Overtime Arcade, and of course, our two very, very special uh, guest hosts, uh, Chance and Josh. So welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Oh, Liam awesome. is here. Uh, Liam's just here. to be added to the stage. Here we go. And we've got Liam in his new arcade. Very cool. Very cool. So um, yeah, I think, you know, folks, uh, if, you're, if you're watching this for the first time, I know Josh and Chance uh, put the word out. Uh, I think the entire country of Canada may be watching and uh, perhaps half of the U.S. Uh, so thank you. We've got uh, quite a few viewers already. Um, but, you know, if you don't know me, Charlie from Overtime Arcade, if you're watching this, you're watching this on my YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for joining. Uh, Jeremiah runs CoinOp Corner on YouTube. Uh, Kay runs Prime Arcade mostly on Facebook and Twitter, but he's got a YouTube channel as well. And Liam is one half of Retrobotics on YouTube. Uh, with his wife, Sam, who is probably there somewhere in the background uh, trying to distract him or keep their dog uh, from distracting him. So uh, why don't we start with uh, Josh and Chance introducing themselves. Josh, I don't know if you want to go first. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe you and Chance together can tell us about the Canadian Arcade. Yeah, sure. So I, I guess, you know, I, you guys are typically asking, like, where did you get started with arcade stuff? And I'd say for me, you know, probably a good 15 years ago, I was playing with MAME and doing all that fun stuff, emulating. And then at some point, uh, you know, I saw ads on our Craigslist equivalent here in Canada, which is called Kijiji, and uh, saw an arcade cabinet come up and uh, I thought, hey, like, that'd be pretty cool. Like, maybe I'll I'll gut it and turn it into a maiden cabinet or something, right? And I went to pick it up and uh, brought it home. It was a joust cabinet, which I discovered it had been painted over. But once I figured out what it was, then I kind of felt like, oh, I can't destroy this. Like I need to, to bring it back to its former glory. Um, so that's where the bug kind of started for me. And uh, that was probably around 2013 or so, 2013, 2014, when I finally got a cabinet. And then uh, from there, you know, the collection grew a little bit. And then within a year or so, I bumped into Chance and he'd been kind of doing his own thing in the, uh, the community. But uh, I needed a back door for a, a Popeye and he happened to have an extra one cut. So that kind of led to us meeting and and then uh, the story continues from there. So hand it over to Chance. 
great. Very cool. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was basically it. I uh, That's how I met Josh. It was weird. Um, I needed a back panel for one of my Donkey Kong cabinets uh, and basically just had two cut from a sheet of plywood and put it up on the thing. And he's like, hey, I'll come over and I'll get it. And he brought a, a um, what was it, Crazy Kong board? A Kongorilla. So Kongorilla Kong is a ripoff of uh, Crazy Kong. Yeah, which is a ripoff rip of Donkey of Kong. <laughs> mm. So anyway, he brought that over and then we just started chatting and we ended up basically just talking about how we're both content creators or we have aspirations for content creation and that kind of thing. And um, I'm, a, I'm a marketing guy and a bit of a graphic designer by, by habit and trade, I guess, uh, is my previous world before, you know, the world Josh and I are in now with film and television. But um, yeah, we just basically created the Canadian Arcade and that's... That was like what seven years ago now, I think. Yeah, twenty fifteen end of twenty fifteen. I think probably when we kind of get started there, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's I guess us in a nutshell. Um how I got into the hobby um was kind of kind of a little different. I I was I was interested in building a main cabinet at the time on the BOIOAC. And uh I, I was working for Apple at the time and I posted on my Facebook wall like, oh I'm hey, I think I'm thinking of doing this with like a little joystick, a uh, picture of a joystick. And my buddy Rob at the time, he's like, you're never going to build that. So I'm like, you know, like you Rob, like it's going to happen. Um, and so I, I just started kind of planning it out, spending money. And <laughs> then, you know, here I am, I've got this Flynn's arcade cabinet that I built from scratch and I got sick and tired of dealing with the software side of things. So I, I got a regular arcade cabinet, like a cocktail arcade cabinet and realized, Oh, Hey, like they come on, they come on their own dedicated PCBs. And so started collecting and restoring and I'm, that's where I'm at now. So it was, it was literally uh, a Facebook targeted ad that, that pushed me in the direction of wanting to build one from the get-go. So you were, so, you were influenced by the algorithm from an early age. Well, kind of, I guess we had, we had built a new mall here. This was like a good decade ago we built a new mall uh, in Calgary called Cross Iron Mills. Actually, shout out to my wife because she's one of the general managers of the mall now. <laughs> so um, literally we. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was walking through there uh, years ago uh, and I walked by a company that shall not be named in the Calgary arcade market and because uh, we don't want to promote them. And um, they, I was like, oh, you can buy these games? Like, these are awesome. And I, I went in there and I talked to the girl at the desk and I'm like, hey, can I get a Simpsons? And literally after that, I went home and I started Googling. So I think that Googling uh, is kind of what tipped off the algorithm. And I got a, an, a tank stick ad in my Facebook feed the next day. And then I started thinking, oh, I should do this. And then that's when I posted the picture. So yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. Um, and that's how I guess Josh and I met each other. So, and the rest is yeah. internet history which isn't so important and super popular channel on YouTube. I know you guys went on a, a bit of a hiatus with the Canadian arcade. Uh, I know myself and, and lots of other fans were probably really jonesing uh, for more content. We can only watch, watch you wash a monitor over and over again so many times. So I don't know if that was, you know, related to your, you know, in real life, you know, daytime jobs, or if it actually has anything to do with what you guys are going to be uh, talking about in a little bit, but you know, what went on with that uh, hiatus? Well, it was kind of like, I'm not going to say it was burnout because like, I don't ever feel like I got burnt out. I know Josh got busy with a few things with work. I got busy with a few things with work. 
um, around the time that we started working in Hollywood, unofficially started working in Hollywood, which is what we'll talk about in this. Um, we, yeah, we just, we were so focused on, on that. Like we spent three months on set for HBO building this arcade. And then I, I spent another two weeks afterwards, uh, in their prop department, uh, for episode one, um, for the, like the 1970s intro of episode, episode one, um, building those cameras that they had, which we can show you as well. And, uh, it just, we just got busy. And then after that, we got a phone call from another art director is like, Hey, do you want to come work on this Netflix show? And then, and after that, it was like, Hey, do you guys want to come work on Fargo? And it was just like, it was a never ending, like, Hey, are we ever going to have time for this? And what was funny is that when the writer's strike kicked off earlier in the spring, I was like, Josh, like I've got like seven episodes that I need to sit down and edit. And we just, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll get to it. I got to get other projects done around the house and never got to editing it. And then now it's like, okay, well, <laughs> too late. <laughs> the writer's strike is over. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, but like we've, it, we've invested heavy in, in equipment and gear. Like we're not dead. We're still here. We've just been busy. <laughs> well, and yeah. just in time for the writer's strike to end, the U.S. government is heading for a shutdown. So, you know, different parts of the economy will just be opening closed at different times. Well, that won't affect us because being Canadian, like like the, the big thing, the big problem with, with what, where we're sitting, like Josh and I are, are, permits in the the two main um unions for film and television up here in alberta so like the the cinematographers guild and and the regular like crew guild the iotsi so we're 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 in that world we're not striking neither neither of those unions are striking but with the actors striking and with the writers striking that's like two of the main foundations that provide most of the work here like if you're not on a big canadian show like like heartland as an example you're shut down and that's unfortunate, but like at the end of the day, like the, the official position from, I guess us is that like everyone in these unions, like they deserve a fair deal. And so like we hundred percent support every single part of that. And we've been watching it like a hawk from day one. A lot of good friends of ours have been out of work since the spring and, and hopefully like there's light at the end of the tunnel now. So. Yeah. Sounds like it. Awesome. Okay, cool. So with intros out of the way, let's move to our sort of first segment, which is standard updates from everyone kind of what's going on in their world we talk about you know fixing and collecting and and that kind of stuff so uh maybe we'll start with uh jeremiah any recent pickups any game room updates you know what's what's been cooking in the coin op corner well i've been a a good boy this month i have no new coin op since the last episode in fact um if you watched my latest episode i had that whole row of gumball machines in front of the camera about half of those are gone now so um, nothing really new uh, in the arcade. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about that video that you released about it, though. Okay. Um, so I, I mentioned in the last episode, in fact, I had on the couch a pile of gumball machine parts, and uh, it ended up being the longest episode I've ever made, about a, nearly a half hour of content. And it's just uh, taking a look at repairing a couple of gumball machines, some, some modern Northwestern machines, and then a really old version of basically the same model. But then in the end of it, uh, I decided to give one of those Northwestern machines to some kids that are that are quite fond of me from church. And I thought it would be the, the coolest thing to have them put it together on camera. And that was a wonderful decision because that's one of the funnier videos that, uh, that I've ever had a hand in making. If you haven't seen that, it's like the most heartwarming thing you can ever watch. It's watching a bunch of kids try to figure out how to put together a, a coin-op machine. It is literally the most wholesome thing that I've seen in a long time. Now, just to tie this back to what we were previously talking about, 
these paid child actors, did they get any sort of, you know, grief thrown at them for, you know, crossing the picket line? Did anyone protest them, call them scabs for breaking the, uh, the strike? I'm just going to say allegedly. <laughs> okay. They've all been canceled well, well, and they'll never work in this town again. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Kay, how about you? What's going on? What have you picked up? What have you been working on? I think the only thing I've really picked up recently was I got a centipede on eBay uh, at a really decent price. I had to go to El Paso to get it, which is about four hours one way. Um, but it's it's complete. Uh, it doesn't quite boot, so the PCB is going to need some work. I'll change out the big blue and check my voltages and all that fun stuff. But I've already got a centipede for sale right now anyway, so I'm in no rush to fix this one. Um, as for videos and such that have released recently, I've, I've done a lot of work on a Nintendo Dual Versus system. Um, got it back up and running. It's got Super Mario Brothers on one side and Excite Bike on the other. And I've repaired and um, recapped both those monitors, got them both looking pretty good. Just got to fix up the controls. And then uh, I've got a guy that runs an arcade in my hometown that's going to be taking it. And it's going to be the showpiece of his Nintendo line. So. It's already got a home. I just got to finish it up and get it to him. Very cool. I am a little jealous of the uh, the versus upright uh, uh, dual system, the sort of big giant side-by-side -side, uh, setup. I'd love to have one of those one day, and I think the only place I'd be able to put it uh, is out here in the garage, but uh, very, very cool. Most yeah, of the ones know, I've seen ended those. up being converted. Yeah, and so there are some bizarre conversions of that setup, right? Sometimes it's just normal. They almost treat it as like, a Siamese twin arcade, and sometimes they do weird sort of, you know, four-player uh, setups. But yeah, uh, Cybermind Arcade in the chat says it's a perfect corner machine, and it definitely is. It's kind of what it's what it's meant for. Um, but really want to just take a moment here and say a huge thank you to Ezekiel, the Chicago Retro Ranger, with a $499 million super chat. Uh, he says, hey, Charlie and panel, love your videos. Charlie, keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Ezekiel. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, how about uh, Liam? Why don't we uh, go over to you? What's what's cooking over in the uh, the glass pin arcade? Well, I'm sitting at it. Um, the big pickup of the last month is uh, Sam and I went all the way up to uh, the New England and picked up a space stool cocktail machine. Uh, this one actually mostly worked uh, when we got it. Uh, it only had a, a dead pokey, but the the guy who sold it to us was really really nice when we pointed out the dead sounds and. Gave us two ball blazers and an entire uh, dead space dual board. So got home and it was a five minute fix. But I'm really happy with this. We we had been looking for a space dual for a, a while, uh, just because we, we love the color vectors. I got Tempest pulled out right here because I'm working on it. Um, but we had wanted the cocktail version since uh, my my wife and I uh, like to to drink tea and uh, enjoy playing games simultaneously so we, we uh, really wanted to, to find the cocktail to complement our four others <laughs> that are uh, taking up a lot of uh, floor space in the arcade so that was the the big pickup super happy with it so that's um, so cybermind arcade in the live chat says that's that's five cocktails for you and sam now right yes that's five um, we have the space stool we have an asteroids it's right next to it we've got a crystal castles and a miss pac-man in the other room and finally, I've got a, a millipede that I'm working on, and we just tracked down the last piece we need to uh, to put that millipede back together. So, pretty Very excited cool. for that. 
Nice. You got to get that cocktail up on full height. <laughs> so if you want to see no. it, we've got one for sale right now. No, we, we have a centipede upright in the corner. So no, you, you, need a, you need a cocktail. You need the cocktail, yeah. Yeah. Is it the 19-inch <laughs> version, though? That'd be the one to no, get. No, it's the 13. But, I mean, I 13s get, yeah. are harder to find, so, you know, it's, it's rare. I can, <clears throat> what? I can tell you from experience, <laughs> like like straight up from experience, because I've got a row going of Atari cocktails with uh, Asteroids Deluxe, the Warlords four-player cocktail, and then I'm working on a Tempest cocktail right now. Having all four of those in a row, having them up at the 40-inch bar height level is a game changer because they take up less space because you don't have the stools, and it's just great. Like, you can stand there, and, and like Josh and I use it as the, as the table for our set in my arcade. Yeah, the, the space stool cocktail, I, I know that the Tempest one is large too, but I think the space stool might be slightly larger. It is yeah. ridiculously huge uh, yeah. when it's sitting next to the, the Asteroids cocktail. It, it looks like it almost has 1.5, maybe twice the surface area. I think it's the same size as the Tempest cocktail, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a good friend of ours, Adam, here in town, or just south of town, he's in our in our little like circle of collectors in Calgary. Um, he's got a space dual cocktail and that is just awesome. And I, it shares a lot of the same parts with the Tempest. So yeah, yeah the only difference is really the monitor cool. orientation in the, uh, the Tempest cocktail makes oh, it yeah. a little narrower. Yeah. The uh, space tool is super wide because it just has the monitor in a separate box hanging off the side. Yeah. The only Maybe downside to the, the space dual cocktail though, for, for those who aren't aware is the space dual upright has four speakers give you that uh super sound but the the cocktail only has the one so that's the sacrifice that you're making yeah and those speakers pump too like i've got one of the uprights downstairs in my collection and that thing you turn that thing on in the middle of the night you can hear it up the street there's so much bass coming out of it yeah the, the loud one we've got is uh, is firefox that one is insanely loud when it's right. can confirm <laughs> yeah and it's and got fans like 20 it, it sound, volume. it sounds like a jet sort of sitting on the tarmac ready to spin up and take off <laughs> Nice. Awesome. So uh, Chance, tell us more about what you've got going on. Like you mentioned that Tempest cocktail. I know you've got a bunch of projects in your basement. What's in your garage? What's happening there? Oh man, I, I had to put up a whiteboard downstairs in the basement to get all my projects sorted out uh, when the strikes happened. So I was like, let's let's get everything figured out. Okay, I, I know I'm going to miss something. Um, I have first and foremost, yes, the Tempest cocktail that I'm building. Um, I've got a Skyskipper because uh, I'm part of the Skyskipper program. So I've got number 20 of that. Um, I am building uh, a screen accurate um, wild gunman cabinet from back to the future Two, uh, which is kind of poetic because like the guy who built that for the movie, that's the job that I have now. So like <laughs> to me, actually to, for me to actually build one is, is like, I, I think is poetic and I, I love those games. So um, what else am I building? My, I've, my wife's got a tapper that I'm assembling right now uh, from like scratch. So we're doing a scratch built tapper uh what? what there's one more josh help me out here what am i missing oh i don't remember man oh marble so madness is done yeah yep. marble madness is just finished uh we're not going to do a video series on that but marble madness is done um, missed opportunity and, well it, it is and it Great isn't game. like we did a we did a couple of things on that but i think like i just i I just needed to get back into the swing of it when uh, when the strikes happened because I was so far in the work world, you know, doing 14 hour days on set. So it's just like focus back on creating good work and then focus back on filming good work. It was kind of my mantra on it. Um, and then, uh, oh, I two two recent pickups. Uh, I got a, a Rock Ola fantasy cabinet from a buddy of nice. mine. Nice. So 
it's not going to be a fantasy when I'm done with it. It's going to be a nibbler. I, uh, it's going to be a Nibblers are good, but but I'm gonna put okay. So I've been talking with with Aaron, um, like Crafty Mac, and and we're gonna we're we're talking about some Bitkit stuff on on the channel. So maybe more on that down the road. Um and uh, yeah, so that that'll get Bitkit. That'll get so that'll be like a multi Rockola, and then uh, I also a friend of ours just gave me a Star Castle. That's but super cool. I don't know is it working? It, it's, is it it's, working? It, it's not. It, it's uh, the uh, board's out. It's still back at his place. But he said he said the board works, and he said the monitor works. Everything's fine. It's just like the cabinet's in a bad way because all of the uh, the particle board started failing on it, and and some like went and like painted the whole kick panel with like it looks like a child has painted the side art onto the kick panel, and then taken off the coin door and put a big piece of a like steel plate with a little tiny like midway button on it so yeah we actually got one like that too we we got an asteroids that came out of disney world's arcade and had a big blank uh, coin door with a single button in the middle yeah but it didn't look did it look like a four-year-old had painted the side art on the kick panel (laughs) (laughs) jeremiah found one today uh near him that looked like again a four-year-old had painted the kick plate on a mispack (laughs) well don't get me wrong we've seen plenty of people like like hack some paint jobs. There was a we had a pinball. Oh, oh that game. Yeah, that, it was the Mario the, game, Mario Brothers Mario, pinball. Yeah, the little mini one, I think. <laughs> I should probably bring up pictures of that. But we there was uh, Yeg uh, Yeg Pin, which is the big Edmonton pinball festival. So they're about four hours north of us in north in like central Alberta. Um, every year they have this big pinball tournament, and one year Josh and I were invited to come down and like kind of like work like help like live stream a little bit and we'd film some episodes with a pinball company um and we noticed there was uh what's the there's two there's two mario brothers pins there's the little stuff yeah, like little mini one, one and then there's like mushroom, a full size one yeah the mushroom yeah. kingdom one that big blue one the full size so somebody i gotta find those pictures somebody had was, taken the full size one and and re because the, the play field had just been ratched and they repainted a bunch of the characters so not only does it look like that, you know that derpy picture where the, the one lady restored the picture of Jesus and it like looks really bad? Yeah, it's that yeah. same kind of effect where like Princess Peach looks all derpy. And even worse than that, the the <laughs> the paint that they used was like an oil-based paint. So it's like it's <laughs> it added texture to the play field. So when every the time you say slowly rolls over it. Every time you say derpy, I'm thinking of Mega Man with his eyes going in two different directions. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I should I should find those pictures, but yeah, it 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 was bad. So like we we've seen that our fair share of of bad paint jobs up here too. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Josh, what's uh, what's been cooking in your workshop and in your arcade? Well, I I generally live vicariously through Chance on all his projects, and often I will find things online that I'm like, well, I kind of want it, but I don't want it that bad. But maybe Chance wants it, so I'll throw it his way, and then usually he ends up. Uh, going and getting the game and then uh, I get to go to his house and and help him uh, work on it or do a video on it or whatever so yeah uh, and then I get to look over at my wife and like and like I'm in danger like (laughs) so I I haven't bought too much I haven't bought too much uh, in the last few years the last big big purchase um, I did a Wizard of Oz pinball machine uh, just around the time just before COVID and then uh, I have a couple projects on the go. We've got a Galaxian that's been sitting in my garage for probably about six years now that I just need to get around to that one. 
and uh, recently started kind of getting warmed up to work on a Mortal Kombat 2. Um, I do have all the guts for the Mortal Kombat. I've got the, the board and the harness and monitor and all of that, and I just kind of need to hook it up and get it working, but most of all, I need a cabinet. And I do have a cabinet sitting in my garage right now, but and it's great. It's perfect. There's no water damage, but it needs all the artwork and it needs a bunch of stuff. And um, I don't know. It's just not I don't think that's the cabinet for me. So I'm going to hold out for uh, maybe just find someone that's got a Mortal Kombat 2 that needs a little work. And I'll just throw my guts into that. And maybe that'll be the way I go. But uh, that's that's kind of what I got on my plate right now. Mortal Kombat 2, I feel like we'll be talking about that game a little bit more uh, in just, uh, just yes. a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. You're allowed to say the show. Like, we... Yeah. It should be The Last of Us. Yeah, we're... <laughs> I, I did put the you link have to, out on you have my to Facebook. bleep it out with the, with the, uh, the sound Allegedly. The sound no, board. man. Subtle, like, Charlie, subtle. We'll go hard. Go. Yeah. <laughs> So as for me, I've been I've been busy, but not in the way that uh, uh, Jeremiah uh, is concerned about my marriage and my my budget and all that. I actually haven't picked up a game since July. Uh, I picked up five games in July, but a, a grand total of zero cabinets in August and zero cabinets in September. And today is the last day of September. So uh, uh, zero cabinets for two months. I've been spending all of my money on artwork and pcbs and and that kind of stuff lots of big orders with uh arcadepartsandrepair.com and actually bob roberts believe it or not uh and some other places too so so i haven't picked up any cabinets been really really busy on projects though uh i got the i got the the ms pac-man completely stripped down to bare wood getting that prepped for um uh for painting uh one big thing i realized so i, I you know i've been waiting on on stencils uh from this old game since uh, late last year uh, and like I'm hearing through the rumor mill that that run is about to start shipping. Um, but in the meantime, I did pick up a, a um, unused but sort of on the secondary market uh, set of stencils uh, from this old game. But they don't have the instructions. And importantly, they don't have the paint codes in them. Uh, I know for years people used uh, a bunch of um, you know certain paint codes from Glidden. But Glidden changed their kind of like base tinting and whatever. So all those old, all those old, I know I'm slacking, Dan. All those uh, paint codes are, are wrong. So if anyone out there has legit current paint codes uh, for Ms. Pack stencils, I would really appreciate it. So uh, uh, shout out on that. Uh, I've been working on Qbert. I got my board, uh, a main PCB actually from Dell from Delusionals Arcade, who's been in the chat here tonight. Uh, we did a video sort of getting that monitor and the PCB working. Still need to work on the uh, the cabinet big time, especially the control panel. Uh, the soundboard's not working just yet. I've uh, been working on the Pango. The big thing I did with Pango was um, fix the metal control panel, which had been converted to Time Soldier. So had to repair a bunch of uh, extra holes that had been drilled into the metal control panel. So I'm now a master welder with JB Weld. And I think that project will maybe be done with one more video. Um, I got the right over here, the uh, the Irish kangaroo basically done. Uh, everything's working. The the joysticks put back together. And the the biggest really cool thing is uh, I got, I got uh, the the bezel, the sort of combination bezel and uh, marquee single piece of of plexi uh, from uh, Ron and Joe from Joe's Classic uh, uh, Video Games and uh, Lions Arcade down in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So Ron and Joe, thank you, thank you, thank you. It looks beautiful, absolutely amazing. When it came in the uh, mail. just there. When it came. Yeah, in the what's mail. that? 
when it came in the mail? Was it broke? No, I, I, I was, that was my backup plan. If things didn't go well, I was going to do a whole riff on the, uh, the it's broke, uh, thing that they're known for. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and other than that, been really busy on other stuff with the channel. Uh, we did a mem uh, monthly members-only live stream. A bunch of the uh, Overtime Arcade channel members are here. They got to see that. Uh, I got my sort of um, home Wi-Fi setup kind of uh, optimized to have much better connection out here in the garage. I've been doing some streams out here because I've got working games out here in the garage, as you can see behind me. Uh, the marquee light for uh, Depth Charge has unfortunately gone out. Uh, I got a game right here that is uh, sort of getting a sneak preview uh, this is going to be uh, revealed in my uh, uh, next episode coming out tomorrow. It's kind of messed up. You can't quite see it. Um, and we did a playthrough of a couple of these games. Uh, I got a PCB stuck into this Dynamo HS7. So if you want to see more about those, watch my video tomorrow. If you can't wait, uh, become an Overtime Arcade channel member. They've been watching it since about 9 a.m. this morning. So, uh, yeah, lots of stuff going on uh, uh, here at Overtime Arcade. Um, so let's go back around the horn, sort of one more question before we jump to the, the main event, which is kind of, you know, looking forward, uh, forward uh, what's everyone got uh, uh, cooking, right? The next uh, video or next whatever that you're going to be releasing, the project that you're currently working on, uh, uh, some sort of part, a PCB, a piece of artwork, whatever that you're looking for. Um, uh, why don't we start with Jeremiah? I know you've got a stack of uh, a pack and mispack. PCBs you're working on when can we expect the next chapter in that series I feel like you've asked me this question on the past like four episodes so you're expecting it yeah so the 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 answer is that sweet refrain of it'll be done when I fix it so I love that yeah it's it's one of those things where you know I spent like six hours on it one Saturday and made no progress so I have like zero motivation to do that again I think at this point I need to go back and I think I also said this last episode and just check for shorts. I usually wear pants, but I think the issue with this is going to be shorts. So I need to go through. I, I had to fix a lot of broken traces and I think I made some assumptions with a few of them. And that I'm not going to say that is the issue, but that's the only thing I can't 100 percent say I've checked. So hopefully I can take care of that in a day's time. And I've actually got the final episode, allegedly, of Coin Up Corner completely filmed but I can't even start editing it until I get this Pac-Man machine fixed. And then I can edit that video and then start on the, the last episode. So yeah, a lot is hanging on those Pac-Man boards getting done. So I, I am too motivated to get that done. Yeah. You know, uh, so maybe don't ever finish the pack and then the, the, the pile of packs and that way coin op corner will never, will keep, never keep end. having these, these interim episodes. Yeah. Well, and I've been, I've also been teasing Jeremiah for a while, kind of telling him, I'm like, you know, I've got a spare Ms. Pack board. I've got a spare Ms. Pack board that I thought was working. Um, and then I had an opportunity to test it the other day. And uh, it's got the exact same issue that, um, uh, that one of Jeremiah's boards have. So uh, that's just, uh, just how it goes sometimes. Um, just circling back to the, uh, the live chat here, Dan from Outrun the Neon Sun. Welcome back to the world, Dan. Dan's giving me crap for uh, uh, slacking on the Ms. Pack. Uh, Ty suggests rattle cans. Absolutely not. I will be using my HVLP setup that I got. Super state-of-the-art, high class from uh, Harbor Freight. Uh, and Wayne nice. says uh, they don't come with instructions or paint codes. His Burger Time set didn't anyway. Well, that's on the website. When I ordered it, and it's still listed there, it comes with instructions and paint codes. So I'll be very, very disappointed if uh, if I don't get them. Do you, uh, do you want me uh, to give Rich a call? <laughs> you, you got his number? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to get banned, so maybe we can do this sort of through a pseudonym. 
Rich has been pretty good to us, actually. If, if we've ever needed anything, he's he's always been on point with us. If we were building something, we've we've done a, a few things with him, but we try to be neutral with all the yeah. parts and stuff, like oh, all the different I, I artwork and writers. I love it's and it's it's worth the wait, but sometimes that wait is just it's painful because mm -hmm. it's so good and like the prices are great too, right? Super yeah. super high end stuff for a great price, but you know, fast, cheap, and good. Pick two, right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, well, that's that's what I was gonna say about the Ms. Pack board. Why don't you just the bit kit? Like Aaron's board is just so good. Like, I will. Well, I am getting what well. that make. <laughs> I, I, I do know. have plans I, for the bit kit coming up soon, but not for this project. <sighs> Awesome. Okay, how about you? What's uh, what's cooking? What's planned? I know you you released a video today, kind of uh, promoting uh, this podcast. But what's what's the future of Prime Arcade? I'm not sure what I'm going to work on next. I, I need to get a couple projects fixed up so I can put them up for sale and kind of refresh my for sale ad. Um, but I have a lot of things that have just been sitting in the shop for repairs for a very long time that I should probably get to. Like there's a Silent Scope EX I need to do a monitor repair on. A uh, Galaga I need to do a monitor repair on. I've got four or five pinball machines lying around that clients have brought in that I really need to get done. So the next videos are probably going to be things that I'm fixing up for other people. But beyond that, there's still, I don't know, eight dozen machines waiting on me. So there's there's no uh, lack of content. It's just lack of uh, me doing it. Yeah, and you got you to get internet over there one time so you can do a podcast from the workshop and just have – all of the, the sort of graveyard of machines, the boneyard of machines behind you. I'd pretty much have to do, you know, like what Jeremiah has done and get the, uh, the internet that goes to the middle of nowhere. Cause mine is outside of the city limits and it's considered a commercial property and doesn't have any lines going to it. So in order to actually get internet, I would have to have a company come out, move lines into the building. And then I'd have to pay commercial prices for the, worst internet you could possibly think of the slowest internet possible for like eight times the price of what i pay for here at the house so yeah i probably won't do that well and and you mentioned that i think we all need to uh sort of applaud uh jeremiah who did recently get starlink set up at home and his connection is uh perfection right now like he's moving his arms and you're seeing them actually move as opposed to you know that the one <laughs> fps from before Josh has a Starlink box right above him. I've got one down here by my feet. We use them. Awesome. They're they're amazing. We use them on film sets when we're out in the middle of the boonies. So, yeah, I, I use them. I have one. Well, we have one at work too, and it's awesome. I don't have one at home, but it's it's really really great. We we see them in in Alberta all the time because um, people will strap them strap them to the top of their pickup trucks and drive like through the city because like they're off in like at a at an oil site somewhere off in northern Alberta, and Starlink is just massive out here. So. Yeah. Awesome. Liam, how about you? What's uh, what's next for Retrobotics? What's the next episode looking like? What's the next project? Oh, next project. Well, we're trying to get all the ones that are done in the workshop sort of in parallel right now. Smash TV, I think the last bits of it, I'm waiting on only the control panel, have everything else to put it back together. So as soon as that control panel arrives, you can do a little build of Smash TV. I've tested the PCB. Everything works there. Still struggling with that lunar lander um, slash asteroids. The asteroids board is giving me trouble, but I have now the PCB and Plexi for the lunar lander control panel I found in a scrapyard. So that is uh, just about put back together. I've got some funky idea for a uh, custom harness for the lunar lander panel so I can get the uh, mission Plexis to work with an asteroids board. And um, 
sort of prototyping that. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm thinking if I can get it to work, I can do some cool attract mode animations and things using the emission flexi lights. So that might be a, a fun, fun thing to show. And finally, the, the millipede. Um, the last parts for that That's should be exciting. coming in soon, and then we will have lots and lots of cocktails. So nice. well, I think and, we should uh, avoid getting any more for the time being. And, and I had felt bad because I had promised Liam, because like the, the thing that he was missing, and, and this is not hopefully not spoilers, was the um, uh, the bracket for mounting the uh, the vertical monitor in the in the, the cocktail, right? And, uh, you know, I've got that Dig Dug uh, cocktail that's been converted to, uh, to Do Run Run. And even though that, that mounting bracket has been hacked up a little bit, it is the same one that's in Millipede. So I had been meeting to uh, measure it for Liam so they could, they could fab their own. But it sounds like uh, somebody on Clove uh, came through uh, with a spare one for you. So that's great. Yep. Yeah, really excited that we'll be able to mount that. I've got a really uh, hacked together monitor, but as soon as we get those brackets, it should be able to slot right in. Cool. And then for for Josh and Chance, you know, what's what's the what's the future of the Canadian arcade looking like? You know, does Chance just have to you know uh, sequester himself and and edit those seven videos, or, or what's cooking? What's coming up next? Uh, well, I'll, I'll okay. tell you that Chance, <laughs> Josh needs Chance to edit has been too, pretty okay? busy this summer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Chance has been pretty busy this summer. Like, uh, I got a little distracted. I'm going to admit when uh, that Nintendo game came out in May, Tears of the Kingdom, that ate my whole early summer and most of July. And, uh, I didn't yeah, get a whole me, lot done. Me too. And, and Chance, uh, you managed to pry yourself away from it there. I think probably before oh. July came around, but uh, you went hardcore on those three or four cabinets that you were you were on and uh i know you you took a lot of pictures yeah um, i don't know i think we're probably going to do like a follow-up episode or something on that maybe like, I, I, we've I we've been talking we... about yeah like a like a an arcade tour video and then there's also an option to like hey here are three projects that we've just recently completed um so i, I think there again but like i've got i've got half a dozen things sitting in the pipeline too so it's just sitting down and editing them. The problem is, is a lot of the times we'll film something and then we don't like the audio quality or we screwed up on some very important part. So uh, like we have to go back and, 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 and do reshoots and, and whatnot. We're, we're kind of getting a little too picky with our quality. Like jo Josh went out and invested heavy in cinema and a cinema camera and some, some really nice equipment. Um, partly because we need to be able to work with that stuff for our real job. Um, but then we can also use it like the intro of the, we're not dead episode that we put out like eight, nine months ago. Um, that intro where you like the little, my buddy or buddy Cody is playing in my arcade and I like come down the stairs in a, in a robe that was filmed with Josh's cinema camera. So like we, we want to do more of that kind of stuff, but it's just kind of figuring out where we have time. And, and now that the weather's getting crappy here, I think we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll be more yeah. in our house. Yeah, I'm so kind of. I'm getting the itch to kind of work on that stuff a little bit more now and, and put the camera gear to use. We've got a lot of cool gear that I feel guilty we haven't used enough yet. Um, so it's a good excuse to do that. And yeah, uh, we I just think, have to get yeah, good at creating of, content though. Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> and you, you, we've actually you're saying a, that the, we did. A, I was sorry, gonna go say ahead. the six the six weeks of nice weather every year in Alberta have passed, so you're back into oh. hibernation. Oh, it's not nice weather anymore. We used to call that nice weather, but now we just call it road construction. Oh, no. Well, and like speaking of content, I think 
isn't your the 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 most viewed video on your channel the the hailstorm? Three hailstorms. Wow. We we have like three golf separate ball size hail. Well, there's a golf ball size hail one. There's uh, and that was Josh's house. Uh, there's a funny story behind that, but we'll save it for another time. Um, there's a a year or two years later to the date almost. There's a tennis ball size hail one. And then in the middle of those two hailstorms, I had one here on the west side of Calgary because he lives in the north. Him and his family live on the north and I live on the far west. And so like we never get hail on the west side of the city and, and we got a hailstorm. So we posted all three of those and they keep the lights on essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, we were just like, hey, let's throw this up there and see what happens. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think that one video from 2016 has four close to four million views. views. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll tell you, okay, if we had another storm in we had another storm in 2020 and it was 10 times worse than the one in 2016. And I thought for sure, this video is going to go like way crazier, more viral. It didn't at all. I think we got 150,000 on it or something. It wasn't much at all. I, I was oh, in like, editing some stuff last night, Josh, and I actually modified the name of that file just like to pull that lever mm -hmm. to see if the tennis ball one will do better with a different file, like a title. So mm -hmm. we'll see. But I mean, like it's, it's nice. Cause like every, Every couple of months, you know, we get an AdSense drop from those and a little bit from some of our other videos. And we just throw that back into the channel or buy like a case of beer. Does it, does it, did it cover the, uh, the deductible on the insurance claim you had to make with the hail damage? You know, it's interesting because I have a clause in my uh, contract that says if the damage exceeds a certain dollar amount that I don't have to pay a deductible. And uh, both times in go. 2016 and 2020, I didn't have to pay the deductible. It was over like... I think it was like thirty thousand dollars worth of damage. Then wow. no deductible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's What's really crazy about those videos, the, the especially the the main one the, with the millions of views on it, is that the amount of comments that we get where people are like, "Hey, all of you idiots who left your cars out on the street, like you shouldn't have done that. You should have parked them in your garages." And it's like, <laughs> in Josh's neighborhood, there are like two or three families per house because it's a predominantly ethnic neighborhood, and like they're bringing families over and. Like it's just cheaper, especially because like the housing rates and whatnot in Canada right now are through the roof. So it's like they have four or five freaking cars. And of course, they're all like up and down the street and parked in the driveway and mm -hmm. in the garage. So it's like the damage was real. Like it was massive there. This was like, but five years ago and half the houses in that neighborhood are still needing new. No, the 2020, the oh, yeah. 2020, it's mostly cleared up now. There's the odd house that's not fixed now, but um but yeah, it was pretty bad. Like literally every house, I don't know how many thousands of houses in this sort of area that, that got hit. And then they called it in the top five uh, worst storms in Canadian history. Uh, yeah. So, we'll yeah, get, we'll get news out, outlets from across the world every once in a while, like emailing us like, hey, can we license your footage? And it's like, you can use it for free. Just like say, you know, from the Canadian arcade. There you go. It's Sorry, not really that's how helpful, you're but... <laughs> popping up, <laughs> popping yeah. up big all, all over the world. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, for for me, I've got a bunch of projects, and like I'm in the I'm in the 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 frame of mind where I'm trying to wrap up all the projects that are really close. So you know, for the Miz pack, it's just getting those uh, stencils painted. For the Pango, it's really reassembly, rewiring the control panel, and putting the art package on. Uh, for the the Dig Dug cocktail, I'm going to fix the. I'm going to recap the 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 uh, Geo Seven FBO and fix the power setup, which is uh, which is a mess. And then I'm going to leave it as do run run for a while, at least until I get uh, uh, sick of it. 
And then let's see, after I've got the, the Qbert to still to work on. And I've got seven more pickups. Now I know I haven't picked up anything since July, but I got seven, seven games that I haven't done pickup videos for. Uh, I'm going to start combining them, doubling them up. So two of them are going to be uh, featured tomorrow, including this absolutely bizarre thing uh, right here. So um, I think we'll we'll go ahead and, and transition over to the, the main event. While we're doing that, we'll segue through a couple of questions that have popped up in the live chat. Uh, Cybermind Arcade a few minutes ago asked, uh, has anyone seen an arcade bar with a stage for live music? Seems like no one has gone that route in my area. Uh, great question. I know a, a couple of folks uh, chimed in and sort of said, um, uh, that's, uh, uh, um, you know, great idea. That's actually happened, uh, in my sort of somewhat local area. So down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is maybe an hour, hour and a half away from me, uh, reclaim arcade is an awesome arcade down there. It's not the, the biggest one in the world, but it, it's quite nice. Uh, I've done a, a video tour of it. Kind of, you walk in and it looks just like a used game store. And then you go through a back room that's sort of set up like an eighties living room. And then you go through one more door and it's opened up to, you know, 50, 75 games, pinball, whatever. Uh, just after I did that tour, they did a major, major, major renovation. They took down a wall and they set up a stage for live music, DJ, whatever. So you can like go back and forth between, you know, dancing, checking out the music. And it's all one big open area, you know, to the games and uh, whatnot. So great question there. We also had a question from uh, Simple Gaming Dad uh, who asks, I have an Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 arcade machine that the board is not in an original cabinet. Uh, how would I go about locating where to install the wiring for the run button? I think, you know, for me, uh, first thing I think of is, you know, go to the manual, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the conversion manual, I, I, I think they had a, a UMK3 uh, a dedicated maybe, but, you know, first stop for that for me always is the arcade archive. So ARC, arc.xmission.com. They've got, you know, manuals, high res scans of manuals for, virtually every game so that's generally the, the first place that i go through um yeah so uh yeah arcade maze says boy howdy charlie has projects uh nothing compared to to k but uh, i'm a rank amateur and k does this professionally so uh very very cool so uh, so yeah so why don't we uh with all that kind of boring stuff out of the way let's go to the main event the thing that uh, everyone is here for we got quite a few viewers uh, going on right now so uh, uh, Chance and Josh, um, you guys recently had a very, very awesome experience that kind of combined your professional and, you know, hobby uh, lives in a, in a really cool way. Uh, you, this was a very public thing, too. Lots of people saw this, including myself and others. People were talking about it. And I think, uh, I think people were talking about it even before they knew that the two of you were connected. So this was being discussed on CLOV, right, the CLOV forums. You know, there's there's often, you know, people will mention when it comes up in a movie or TV show or whatever, you know, sort of, um, you know, classic arcade video games and pinball, or whatever, just sort of, you know, penetrate into pop culture. Right. And people celebrate that and, and whatever. And this recently happened with a, you know, a really well-known show, uh, HBO's The Last of Us. And it turns out that uh, you guys were behind all of this. So maybe just to kind of, you know, set the stage, how, how did the two of you even get connected to any of this in the first place? Well, I mean, I was walking down the street one day and a, and a van pulled up and they threw a hood over my head and I smelled chloroform and then I just woke up on their set. So I, eh. um, no, I, I, th I, guess... I thought Canada was like super safe. How does something like that happen? I'm That's how I ended up married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's not watching the live stream, is she? <laughs> I, I know mine is. Pay attention to anything I do. Oh, okay. Um, no, uh, it was. 
it was actually a little weird uh, to, to address, you know, one point we, we didn't tell anybody. Um, we actually kind of had like a little under the table bet with one of the art directors about um, uh, from one of the guys from the art department that found us uh, that we weren't going to tell anybody because when we built the Mortal Kombat, we wanted to make it as, look as real as possible. Um, our mantra on set, not to get ahead of myself, but uh, the mantra on set was don't, don't do what Stranger Things did. Like all, all the power to the guys that were on that show and, and it was a great episode or a great couple of episodes with that. But we just like the little things stuck out to us, like the LCDs and, and we wanted to just take it one step better. So we, we kind of basically told um, our buddy Joel, like, we're, we're not going to tell anybody in the community. We're going to see if they can figure it out. Um, and then I guess eventually the, the, the threads on Clove and on Pinside just started showing up and, and Josh and I just jumped in and kind of just started posting pictures and, and talking and, and saying, Hey, like, hi, that was us. Um, but, but how it happened was actually really weird. Um, I was, I was working for a, a, a medical technology company. I was their head of marketing. Um, and I quit that job. And, uh, so I was just kind of thinking like, I'm just going to take the summer off the fall off and, and just, just do nothing, uh, focus on, you know, stuff around the house. Um, and I got a call from one of our really good friends who owns a pinball bar, uh, downtown shout out to Arlen and pin bar. Uh, we actually have a bunch of arcade games there as like a coin off thing. And they had gotten approached months ago by a TV show that was, but we had no idea who it was. Um, they were just like looking for, you know, maybe some rentals or something like that. Uh, cause that's part of the whole pre-production side of things is they want to, you know, they're looking for rentals, but they're not going to tell you who they are yet. And then I guess they had through, through a connection of Arlen, I think his sister or someone knew this art, this art director. And, uh, he reached out to Arlen and said like, Hey, you know, we're doing this thing for HBO's the last of us. Uh, we need someone who can, can swap a couple of monitors out and make them camera friendly. Um, because I don't, a lot of people don't realize this, but if you've ever pointed a camera at one of your CRTs, they don't play nice with film cameras. They don't play nice with certain aspects of a film camera. And you can see that right now on the back in Charlie's screen, how some of them are doing it, but some of them aren't. And it's, it's a whole big technical ball of wax for that. I won't get into, but they messaged Arlen and they were like, Hey, like, do you have someone who can swap out for some LCDs? And he called me up and said like, Hey, like you're not doing anything. Do you, do you want to show up and, and help out? And I, I touched base with the guys. I went over to their set. Um, so for those of you who don't know that the mall, uh, that they filmed that episode in, uh, is actually, where was actually a real mall here in Calgary. Um, it was actually a mall that when I moved back to the city a number of years ago, I used to go get my keys cut, you know, like it was like my local mall. And, uh, so they, most of the mall had been shut down except for some of the big anchors and uh, it was just like happenstance that, you know, Craig and, and, and them could bring the show and, and film in that mall. So they had taken over it. And, and where I think where the Sears was, Josh, was like their set deck lockup. And they had, well, let's, let's go to the pictures. I've got pictures of this. Um, they had a bunch of arcade games. Oh, here's the, yeah. That's oh, yeah, there's the. Earlier. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> um oh no that's mine i did that i don't know how oh, that got yeah. there <laughs> uh, anyway so they they had you know in this in this old ripped apart mall they had a few games kind of ready to go and like i just showed up and if, i guess for the first this was in like november and i didn't take any pictures until like december 1st which is when this picture was taken but um it, it was basically like let's swap some monitors in and while this was going on um, 
I, you know, I was starting to meet some of the other members of the crew and some of the producers and they were like, yeah, like, you know, we've got a problem. Like someone's got to have to, you know, teach the, the girls how to play Mortal Kombat. So it looks realistic. And I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my head, like I got a guy. And then they're like, they're like, well, we also have to try and figure out how to record it. Like we need to be able to get the script beats from the game like into the, so it's like playable and you can like look over the girl's shoulder and like this whole, they had all these technical problems that they couldn't figure out, but I was like, I got a guy. And then, so I'm like this entire time, I'm like, Hey Josh, like you, like he was busy with something for work and it was really important, but I was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta like set aside some free time. Like I need your help. <laughs> like I, I can't do this without you. And it's like, so, you know, Josh got involved and we papered him into, and, and at this point they're kind of like, we had shown them, we had shown them kind of what the Mortal Kombat cabinet looked like with an LCD in it. And, and one of the, the executive producers, Beautiful. right? Like it's, it's bad. And we were saying to them like this, this whole artwork bezel thing that's going on. Like we said, like, that's not, that's not legit. Like that was made after the fact by a member of the community a number of years ago. And this, it's not realistic for like the time frame of the show. So now we're catching continuity errors and they had already shot this cabinet with that bezel I think in episode four, they Ellie finds it in a gas station. Yeah, three or four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so they're like kind of panicking in a bit. They're like, oh, crap. Like, okay, well, it's good because it'll show that it's a separate cabinet from the one the girls find. And I'm like, okay, but like rivet counters, we, we call them in the industry rivet counters. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll like look at that tank in the World War II movie and go, hey, that's not right. It should have 20 rivets rather than five. Like it's, but it's like, we, we wanted to be as accurate as possible. So this is kind of like, the original shop that we had. Um, and, you know, we were just doing proof of concept. I had set up a little work workbench and a work table in there. Um, and then they had already brought in a bunch of other games as well. Um, you know, some Rockola cabinets. And that's a, that's a Rockola cabinet on the left with a final fight and a, a gorilla in a Matrix cabinet. And, you know, we found just anything that they could find at auction, essentially, to, you know, populate this. And when we started talking to them, we're like, Hey, oh, look, you need a Ms. Pac-Man. Like the one that they had, that's not a Ms. Pac-Man. That's no, that's a no, 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 cabinet. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Ms. Pac-Man on it. And we're like, we, we said to the executive producer in the conversation about the LCDs and whatnot, we're like, it, we, you know, we know you guys are going to spend a lot of money on this, but like, we, we don't, we know you don't probably don't want to cater to the 1%, um, like the, the elitists of us in the community. And, and she turned to, to, to me and she goes, she goes, no, like, it's vitally important that we cater to the 1%, whatever you guys need to make this as legit as possible, make this as legit as possible. And I think that was the foundation of, oh, here's our, you know, our green light to, to go, go ham on this. And so at that point I was, I said to the art department, cause we were liaising with the art department the entire time. Um, everyone we worked on that show, by the way, is terrific. hundred percent. I, I can't think of a single bad experience we had in the three, four months we worked on that show. And so the art department, we were like, we're like, well, we've got, Josh has got a Ms. Pac-Man cabinet and I've got a street fighter cabinet and like all these other games that were listed in there, like a Daytona, like we can get a Daytona. So we started kind of going through our collections and then going through the collections of some of our friends uh, and collecting what we could. And I guess we had actually collected twice as many games that are, are shown in, in the show because half of them, so this Turtles as an example, um, were cut by legal uh, because they just couldn't get the rights to show it or the company wanted too much money and it just didn't make sense. And there was, there was a lot, like 
there's a lot of questions that have happened about it. Like, Hey, well, why wasn't, you know, so-and-so or why was this changed? And it was, uh, unfortunately it's just due to a lot of the red tape. Um, yeah. f- funny story that, that turtles cabinet, I actually was able to, the only game I was actually that and the, the Ms. Pac-Man I just showed this, this one, um, I was able to buy these off of HBO and this one here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Th- well, this, this was in my living room. Uh, I surprised Vanessa. She's my, wife now this is how i proposed to her was after we were done filming i hid the coin or the the ring in the coin box um it was delivered to us by hbo a couple of months after we wrapped and you know she came down and she opened it up and she was on her knee like this is a ring like (laughs) so yeah soulmates (laughs) that backfired on her so 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 did they did they so what it sounds like is they didn't have or maybe it was like a combination right like they didn't have a like you know Hey, hey, Chance, hey, Josh, here is a super, super detailed set of requirements for every single thing that you that they wanted and they told you to go make it happen. They kind of had some sort of idea of, of what they wanted to do, but they they really leaned on you to fill in a lot of the details on what that actually would yeah. look like, right? Yeah, it, defi- it definitely was that. Um, you know, it was really interesting because they did have most of the arcade laid out. They had like their floor plans and the design, and we really didn't have any input on that. Um, like around the lighting or anything like that. Um, you, you see some of the neon lights and the mirror ceiling and the black light carpet. Uh, that was all figured out by the set deck departments and art departments ahead of time. But mm-hmm. in terms of like acquiring some of the games, like they kind of had a list and it was a pretty extensive list. Um, it was very Atari heavy. Yeah. And I guess a big part of that too worked out to be that it's actually pretty easy to work with Atari for some of the licensing to use the games. I think in some cases, uh, like they may not have even had to pay a licensing fee to show some of yeah. those games. And I understand oh, actually wow. now, ha- after working on this project, that a lot of the Atari properties are actually owned by uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a oh, from from back in the day. Well, there's two mm-hmm. there's two separate companies actually. There's two separate groups of Atari games. We actually have a master list because. You know, after The Last of Us, Josh and I have gone off and done this for other TV shows um, and for a couple of other projects. And we have now been very easily been able to tell, you know, clearance departments, like, here's a list of Atari games that you can have cleared. No, no problem. So, like, there are certain companies that, like, you just couldn't, you couldn't do any work with. Like, so for the, the Turtles cabinet, like, that's Viacom. That's that's Konami and Viacom, and any of the licensed property stuff is like this really nasty mix of okay, it's great, we want to use this because it's in the script, but this other company has the rights to these this IP, we we just can't. And like it's the same thing with Nintendo. Um, unfortunately, as much as I wanted to put like I'm a huge huge Nintendo guy, and as much as I wanted to put Nintendo in there like and and convince them like this is what would be cool, they were like we just can't like. It's like you a, couldn't hide a sheriff even, cocktail in the background. Yeah, I I legitimately things, tried. <laughs> yeah, even things like our Miss well, Pac-Man. Like we 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 had two Miss Pac-Mans there. Uh, of course, the the bad one, and then I had my own that I brought in, and uh, they turned out to not be able to license it. And I remember at the time uh, they went out to the IP holder, and it wasn't the fact of like they didn't want to or they don't do that, but at that particular time they were not licensing Miss Pac-Man for that particular use. Yeah. So it may mean that they had something else happening. They maybe had currently uh, you well, know, put that license out for some other thing that they were doing, right? 
And, and, uh, and the so IP around Ms. Pac-Man is very complex mm -hmm. too. Well, but it's not, it's nothing nefarious yeah. either. Like that's the one thing you, you can point out is it's not nefarious. It's that they, they legitimately have business decisions that they're like, well, we don't want to do this right now. We don't want to like, this isn't a good fit. It It's, it's crazy. Like the, the one interesting thing that we learned is there are companies out there and, and there are like opposing companies, but they'll still play ball with each other. They'll still do things with each other, but for one reason or another, they'll just decide like, well, we don't want to do this. Um, like it's not like a Viacom HBO thing. Like you can't use turtles. Like, but like, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. It just depends on the time of year or day sometimes. And yeah. and, and and one one other thing that we found too with like a lot of the games, a lot of the games, certain titles had very specific things that we were allowed to do or not do. So yeah. some games, like for whatever the license fee was, you know, it might be a couple thousand dollars to show like a. Uh, say like a Williams pinball machine in the background and it's supposed to be deep background or not featured like not they're not playing on it or you're not yeah. like looking at it right close up um, I remember the Street Fighter I think had some rule that they couldn't show gameplay it could only be yeah. the attract screens so there were a lot of like be implications deep background too deep background yeah so yeah. they'll they'll have like implications like that that yes you can do it for this fee it covers deep background you know no no hero shots, like nobody playing it. Um, it can just sort of exist there in that environment. And, yeah. and, and then that's it. And it's not like featured, but um, so there's lots of little interesting things like that. It's, it's never black and white. It's always a little gray. One, one interesting thing that I'll touch on just to finish the whole licensing conversation bit is games that we didn't think they could license anymore. Like I've got um, uh, a 1970, 78 Playmatic Chance pinball machine. Um, it's weird, but like when a pinball machine shows up and it's got your name on the glass, like you have to buy it. Um, so I've got this playmatic chance. It's a Spanish pinball machine. And we were all kind of like gung ho, like, Hey, let's, let's submit this to clearance to try and put this in there. And they're like, no, their clearance, clearance department actually tracked down the modern day rights holder for playmatic, which turns out to be, I think planetary pinball. And they were like, it's a no go. They just, yeah, they're not licensing that. Scientific Games owned it, I think, still. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but yeah, anyway, so that was the licensing side of things. So if that should cover up any questions of why certain games made it and certain games didn't, otherwise we would have like put a lot more Nintendo and, and oh, Konami sure. in there. We actually, <laughs> we had a whole bar boneyard of games that didn't make the cut and we'll show you pictures of that oh, after, yeah. but we had, we had yeah. just as big of an arcade in our little bone shop as there was in the actual one that they were shooting with. Yeah. Was the uh, the the cast and crew constantly playing backstage uh, between shots? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> uh, the 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 girls were great. Um, they, we they would show up every once in a while. Josh had to actually teach them how to play Mortal Kombat, which was really cool. He got a lot of time with them as the resident expert. Um, I guess I don't know. I, I guess I'll tell this story. I don't know how to tee it up to Josh, but Josh told me once that his dad, when Mortal Kombat 2 first came out, his dad said, oh, you'll never amount to anything playing that game. And here enough, he's now teaching the girls for the episode how to play Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, it all paid off, you know. And, and that game really was my jam. Like when it came out, um, well, you know, the first one came out and it was polarized, you know, with the blood and the guts and whatever. And Mortal Kombat 1 kind of stunk compared to two two was the mortal Kombat game as far as i'm concerned it's the greatest one that exists chance thinks it's three we actually had a, a near fist fight on set about this one day we while did, we were yeah. debating uh, the, the merits of uh, mortal Kombat two versus mortal Kombat three um and then we actually 
put a poll out there. I think we went on one of the arcade groups on Facebook and we were just like, okay, let's settle this. And we, we put this poll question out, like what was the best Mortal Kombat? And, and, uh, two got, uh, the most by far. Look, at the end of the day, just because it's popular, doesn't make it right. Like candle in the wind is like one of the greatest selling songs of all time. Doesn't mean it's right. Like (laughs) any, anyway, that's like um, three because it had robots. Yeah. Cyrax was awesome. Smoke was awesome. Anyway, shots so, fired. I forget where we were with this. Um, oh, yeah. So um, teaching the girls. Yeah. You, do you want me just to, that. do you guys want me just to keep going through the yeah, go ahead. pictures? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. one of the, one of the other big challenges that the, that the production team had was how do we get the script beats in the game to be repeatable? Um, so one of the things when you're on set with a, with a, a film shoot from film or television shoot is there's this joke in the Simpsons on the, in the radioactive man episode where it's like, we're going to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. That that's not a joke. That's legitimately our lives. You know, we'll, we'll go and we'll film. We, we were on set for four days to film seven minutes of an arcade. Like you have to do that. You have to get coverage from three cameras and different angles all the time. So you, you have to be able to repeatedly do the same things over and over and over again. And that became kind of the crown jewel of this whole experience for us was Josh and I basically sat down. We told production that we, we would have it. So Josh and I use MAME and you can see in this picture. And then we had our copies of the script. And on this big whiteboard here, we kind of laid out the shots that we needed to record. And, and we sat there with, you know, the USB controllers for probably two days down in his basement. Um, this is the opposite view from where his camera is pointed right now, actually. And uh, we, we sat there for two days in his basement, just going through the script beats and trying to get it exactly right to the point where like, we were trying to get some of the finishing moves and like, I had to like, I suck at mortal Kombat. I suck at all fighting games, but like I had to learn how to play as at his level to try and, you know, be that, you know, other side of the fight. So it looked realistic to some degree. Um, but it did. Cause I mean, in the game, in the show, like one of the girls isn't as good as the other. So, you know, it kind of worked out all right, which was perfect for our con- uh, situation. Um, but no, we literally went, this is, I think Josh's wife. Look, was that look of intensity. <laughs> well, it was, it was important for us. Cause like we wanted to get it as perfect as possible. Like we, we, we was, didn't want to so be important. screaming at our TVs when we saw it. Like I, I say yeah. there's so often that when, whenever we see arcade games portrayed in something, I'm usually screaming at the TV like, ah, oh, that, that's not how that game works. And oh, it doesn't have a, a high score save on it. And back in 1983, like what the hell's going on? Yeah. Uh, like if you look so at we didn't, like Dig Dug doesn't have, Dig Dug doesn't have a leaderboard. And in, in Stranger Things, it, they made a fake leaderboard for it. And that just seemed wrong. To so it completely yeah. broke my suspension of disbelief. Well, it it does. Like for me, it, it actually does. I and I don't know. And that and that I guess brings us on to the next topic is like, okay, well, what did we do to the Mortal Kombat to make it look legit? We we yeah. unconceive like in, it was inconceivable for us to to use CRTs anywhere in this arcade because like look at your backdrop, Charlie. Like it, some are flickering, some aren't, depending on you know your camera settings. And so yep. we, we know that back in the day, people in our position as, as you know, playback operators or MP, what we call what motion picture video coordinators is the official title that we are in the film industry. And 
we know that it was hard for them sometimes to find the right tubes and set up the right frequency. And you had to convert all this stuff to make them all look good on camera. And we can do that. We have that skill set now, but with, you know, 40 monitors in the room, it just wasn't conceivable. And of well, course, and, the and, and I, I got a technical question about that. Right. So like, mm. and maybe the answer is analog versus digital. Right. But you, you go back to, you know, let's say, you know, the eighties. Right. And, and things like, um, uh, the Starcade uh, uh, game show, right? Where they mm -hmm. had a wall of screens and also every week they had whatever, five, six new, you know, arcade games set up, you know, different monitors from different manufacturers. And, and at least I never noticed any kind of, you know, flicker or bars or or anything from from that. So was it, you know, the cameras were different back then or, or how did that work? How did they, any idea how I, they I made it's it a work little, back in the day? I think it's a little bit of everything. Like the, you know, the cameras were a little different. They were probably adjusting their shutter rates to kind of match closely. The other thing I noticed too, is that flicker isn't as apparent when you're in a lightly Brit uh, lit studio. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of light studio lights that seems to kind of diminish that effect of the flickering a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But mostly it's going to come down to your shutter speed on the camera sort of matching up there. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd have to go look at the, uh, the footage for that thing. We, you know, a lot of people were talking about, because people were sort of fighting about the uh, the arcade in Last of Us, and like, oh, they used LCDs when they found out they felt like they were lied to, and you know, their whole life was a sham or whatever. But one guy got really upset. This is a Facebook uh, group. I kind of, I think it was on a CRT group. It was on the CRT so group. Yeah, hard... yeah. And there was a guy on there that was like really, you know, making us feel bad about it and you know just dragging losers and i was like yeah fine, yeah but like and, and he was like josh was terminator crying for a day. yeah terminator 2 did it or whatever and i had like okay i'm gonna load up terminator 2 and go watch the scene in the galleria where they're you know running from the, the terminator or whatever and like every freaking monitor in that arcade was flickering but yeah. you didn't really notice it because it was lit it was pretty well lit and you're not really watching the games you're watching well, well and, and the actors you know and what's going on did, you know, did, was there an opportunity to sprinkle some authenticity in there and like have a game that was messed up right have a game with collapse yeah we or, did or that's whatever. what we did yeah, we did, we did. Yeah. there was no way that we were going to be able to use every single to replace every single monitor and so like my um my make tracks cabaret that thing's like mint it's got like 320 plays in it but like i'm not opposed to you know renting it out to the tv show so we have that in there it's sitting next to the robotron so all we basically did was we just cranked the sink and it was like a, at the end of the day Right. Like, well, because at the we end of the day, like this was sitting for 20 years in a mall. Right. That, like, that fits the story. That yeah. Fits and they the story. turned it on yeah. one day. Yeah. So, so there were a lot of games that we, a lot of yeah. games we killed the monitors on. Um, there were, uh, I think the Black Widow. So that one's interesting because it's a vector game, but that one flickers in a different way on camera than say like a, a raster game, right? Where a mm -hmm. raster game, you're getting a little more ambient sort of flicker from the light source. And where the vectors, the lines themselves that are sort of flickering and jittering around or whatever. And we, we offered to kill the screen on that one, but the director was like, no, I actually kind of like it. Like, leave it, yeah. leave it there. And I remember it was probably like a few minutes before we were getting ready to film on the principal day when we were doing the main part in the arcade. And one of the VFX guys came running to me and he's like, Oh, I don't like this black widow thing. Like what's going on? Like, can you control the flickering? And I'm like, well, the director asked for it. And then I was explaining the difference to him about, you know, the vector versus 
raster or whatever and then the director came along and was like nope i want it and yeah it was yeah. a big uh, ordeal but other than that there were really no discussions on set you know we had a few crts in the background doing their thing and i think it kind of added to it um, well at the end there of the were a day whole row of games mm-hmm. go ahead i was gonna say at the end of the day nobody like per- professionally as a courtesy nobody in our position is ever going to walk up to an established cinematographer and say hey you need to change the settings on your camera like we have been in some situations like when we were working uh on fargo as an example like we would go up to this you know the cinematographer and go hey like look we're having, we're going to have issues with this. What do you think? What would you like to do? And they're like, you know what? You're the expert. Like, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. What works? Let's find a happy medium. There's, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of everybody working together because everybody just wants to make cool stuff. Right. But there's no way I'm, I'm walking up to Ksenia and going, Hey, change your, change your shutter speed. Like, this is not going to happen. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> and, and we see that a lot on the groups, like some of the Facebook groups, they're like, Oh, why didn't they just change their shutter speed? And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of things like when you're striving to, 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 to make cool stuff and be as the best as you hopefully can, just cause like we, we're not classically trained in film and television. Like I have a theater background from like college from like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, and like a little bit of reality TV experience from like 2018. But other than that, like, like we're not, we're not trained in any of this. We just, we're just enthusiasts. And so if there's anything that we can do to, to like we didn't know where the bar was set and then by the time this whole situation was done they were like hey we we need guys like you um do you, do you want to come film this ya tv show and run a bunch of like cell phones and and tvs and computers <laughs> so but anyway that's I'll, really cool i'll focus well, on so, the, going through the pictures yeah sure well and and, and, and as you're talking about it, like I, you you've kind of mentioned this a little bit but how how were the two of you able to you know, tap into the, uh, the the local arcade enthusiast community, right? Were there games that you needed, you know, from local collectors and they provided it, right? And like, well, how did know, that work? And then, and then how the did you get well. them to, to keep the uh, the embargo and not spill their spill their guts about it? Well, we know the community very well in Calgary. Um, we we have a lot of good people in the Calgary area, uh, in in especially in the pinball side of things. There's a huge pinball community here. And, you know, we, because of the channel and, and just because we've been, you know, members of some of the pinball leagues and whatnot. And it was basically, we went out to some of our friends and we said like, look guys, this is a list of the things that we are hoping for. Can you also provide a list of the things that you have that you'd be willing to do this? And you, you have to say to them, like you, the company, you know, HBO has got insurance. It's going to be really professional. Like I put my neck out on it. Josh put his neck on it. Like we're going to take care of your stuff when we're not there. We've got our own shop set up, which I'll, I'll show you in the pictures. We have like a much better shop. Um, we're going to take care of it. And so some of our friends, uh, Scott, Cam, uh, and um, Doug, you know, they stepped up and they're like, hey, here's here's some of our games from our pinball collection. Um, and then, you know, there was a couple of other local collectors that they had reached out to before they found us. And even them, they were like, yeah, like, oh, you guys have Josh and Chance, like, like, uh, you know, we trust them, you know, they're, they're decent humans other than that redhead Chance, like, Josh is a decent person, like, we'll, we'll let, we'll let you guys look after our games. So we were there for any of the pickups where we couldn't provide um, the games from our collection. So um, like Andre, there was a, a local collector here in town who had a massive Atari collection. And so we, you know, half of the Atari games in the, in the set were his. What what would you say was the maybe the 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 rarest or the hardest to find or the most valuable game that was included? Right? Was it the Black Widow or, or what was it? 
my warlord's cocktail. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, we had a seven twenty there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a seven twenty. Well, we'll we'll see it in the pictures. Let's let's go through a few couple a couple of things here. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is when we realized that we didn't want to put an LCD in there. Um, this is actually us fitting the cardboard from the box from a forty-eight inch OLED. So I figured that we could probably. Josh and I went back and forth with, do we put a projector in there and make a projection screen, um, and like kind of bow a projector with a piece of fake Plex, uh, Lexan. Um, and they're like, well, do we just shove an OLED in there because we want the, you know, the scan lines, we want to make it look right. So we, we measured out a 48 inch OLED. There was, there was a Best Buy connected to the mall, a real Best Buy. So we spent like a lot of time over there going back and forth, trying to find the right parts for this, you know, the three months we were there. And one of the first things we bought was this OLED. We bought a couple of them actually, cause we sent it to the production, uh, to camera test it too, just to make sure that they weren't going to have any problems. So we shoved a 48 inch OLED in there. And then uh, Josh actually, sideways. yeah. And then Josh actually took the footage. We we figured out we mapped out on the screen with a screenshot exactly where the the bezels would line up. So then Josh actually took all the recorded footage that we had we had filmed in his basement, and he treated it and edited it and made it into the the specific clips for all the different script beats and like a fifteen minute um, attract mode sequence as well. And so while that was going on they were you know in in one of the rooms uh, or one of the stores in this mall because we had free range of the whole mall um they were starting to construct the arcade so as we go through some of these pictures you'll see kind of the arcade being built from scratch uh with you know plywood and mdo and whatnot um so one of the other things that we did when we moved into our new space so across the hallway from where the actual arcade set was there was a, a target um, it was like an old designer depot or some canadian company and uh, so we set up a fake arcade there. So we actually, you can kind of see it in this picture on the bottom left, there's some green tape lines uh, where the art department had drawn out a layout for us to start putting all of the games. So we, we kind of just started figuring out what placement was uh, in there and started converting some of the others over. So like this Daytona USA was absolutely decrepit. I, I, I probably got like, like, some kind of horrible disease from it <laughs> yeah you <laughs> needed to, like, a tetanus shot after that yeah like it was bad but like we we went and replaced all of the marquee lights and all of the games with ones that the lighting department could control in this case and a lot of our games we we have recordings of the attract mode that josh would record in mame and then we would play back on these little uh these little hdmi boxes that we have that you just plug a thumb drive into and it feeds you know, HD an HDMI signal into a, an LCD monitor. And that's like, so, so this here, we were able to add glitching effects and whatnot to the feed for these Daytonas. There's no boards in those Daytonas. There's no CRTs or anything in there. There's just a couple of LCDs. Um, I know there was an electronics company down in the States. We, we cleaned them out of every single VGA arcade monitor that we could um, just because we had to. And every single, we, we, you know, dozens and dozens of parts. Um, so yeah, just, kind of a little bit more of the boneyard so this is the the arcade as they were building it across the hallway from our our new shop and uh you know we thought like this is getting cool right because you know the stage in the background and whatnot um so this is a bit of a you know a wide angle shot of, of across the hallway back in on the right hand side where where everything's laid out that's kind of where the uh where the drawing the tape drawing of the arcade was and then our desks on the on the left uh here where you know we had our stations while we were working on projects and it was like an all-day gig like Josh would come in in the afternoon and the evenings, we would hang out with the, you know, the security guys, you know, they'd always come in and, and, and hang out and walk around. We'd be there till 11 o'clock at night some days, but I, I'd go there at like, you know, seven, eight in the morning 
and just work on converting games. Every single thing that we could bring into the arcade, we had to make sure it was camera ready. We had to make sure that we had a solution if it went down. We had to make sure like Josh's Zaxxon that we used for it, we the board failed. And then the board wouldn't work with the, the, the LCD monitor that we put in there. So we had to pull the whole power supply out and switch it over to, you know, a switching power supply so that we could put a 60 in one in there. Did, um, did you throw the Zaxxon off the roof of the mall? No, but actually the Zaxxon accidentally had been dropped. Um, and so we got to see firsthand, like it wasn't very far. It was like a foot. It was an accident, like a complete freak accident um, on a dolly. And so like, again like hbo took care of it, it was like no guys like just we'll take care of it you know like they wrote we'll a check sure for 12 dollars to completely <laughs> replace it <laughs> well i did i did some of the work too in our shop because like we legitimately we have like a full-on like our tools aren't shown there but like we had a full-on like workshop going at this point and i think you know, i think jeremiah has fallen out of his chair about a foot so he might need to uh make an insurance <laughs> claim there well you're good you're good you okay. should have paid them for the uh the privilege of destroying his exon yeah right i think that game is okay um yeah oh yeah it's fine anyway josh i know someone in town who Not wants to my... buy that from you but oh i know him too it's worth oh, okay. a lot more now than it was when i got it so this is this is the target here so this is to the like to the left of the frame you would was where you know raj's arcade is but all of our shop is behind these this target and that big giant white um banner there with the three with a family standing there that was actually glass windows that they had covered up so while they were building it we could look left and we could always see like the production of the actual set that we were going to do this on uh which was kind of cool so we got to see the evolution of this as they were throwing in the you know the, the the roof and all the fake neon and whatnot and then you know one day we showed up and the painters had been there and like it just kind of slowly evolved one oh, of yeah, the really cool things about it, it sorry the i blue was screen? gonna say we should talk about the blue yeah yeah, so uh, there's a shot in the show where she comes out because they enter through the roof of the mall, and this 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 actual mall is only one floor, and so the on the far side of the mall because it's a big loop, on the far side of the mall the the roof which goes up another floor essentially because it's vaulted ceilings they painted they first they masked off all the windows up top all the skylights and then they painted this you know green screen blue this chroma key blue or whatever you call it. And then they they installed a bunch of lighting fixtures. So that whole hallway across from us on the other side of the mall was all one big blue screen. So they could VFX another floor in there. So when you see her come out, like that's all VFX. It's really well done. Um, the VFX department was awesome. And, and in fact, all of the different um, the all the different stores in the mall, like this is the smoke shop that was in the, the cigar shop. This thing was like the, the set deck department who are like neck, like the Calgary set deck people are amazing. Uh, every department was absolutely amazing, but like you could, you would walk by this and it looks like a ransacked mall. Cause they rented the whole thing essentially. And they rented. I don't even think they showed, the this is the, this is the smoke shop, right? Yeah. And I don't even think they showed that in the show. Like there were so no. many little shops in the small, this was like literally the whole mall and there must've been, Probably, I'm going to say they maybe dressed up about 40 different stores. Oh, more than that. Um, it was like 50, 60 40, stores. Wow. Yeah. But but here's yeah, the cool yeah. thing. They were so smart about it because any of the, you have to think like if you're going into an apocalypse and the world's about to end, what stores are going to be ransacked? So the smoke shop yeah. was ransacked. Yeah. The, 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 the eyeglass store was ransacked. The, the, the um, Victoria's Secret didn't get touched. You know, because it's like, who's going to need lingerie in, in, in you know, in, in a post-apocalyptic war? There was world. There was a bunch of other stores that they just didn't didn't touch. They just dressed and made it look legit. So they, there was a lot of forethought 
put into it. A lot of little fine details. Oh, there's the, so that's the, the scaffolding that they put through the whole hallway of the mall. Um, like that footlocker completely torched. They made like some of these stores didn't even exist in the Canadian market, but they went out there and they got the licensing rights to use, you know, some of these toy stores and, and whatnot, EB games. Cause back then when we were filming this in Canada, it was still called, um, uh, whatever EB games. Now it's, now it's GameStop. Yeah. Right. So they made a GameStop sign and whatnot. So, um, this Best Buy, so there, there, this was at the end of the hallway. This is a fake wall. Um, there's a real Best Buy around the corner, but they just borrowed the, or like built the new sign on the end of it. Um, so changing gears just a little it, it, earlier in the, sh in the episode, the girls go into, uh, the little photo booth. And that was actually another challenge that the art department had come to us and said like, Hey, like there's all these slides from this scene in the game where the girls are in this photo booth. And like, there's going to be this really like wonderful moment with the two of them. We need to figure out a way to get these slides in there. or We need to be able to get a screen in there. And we also need to have a bill collector in there because they need to be able to put the, the, the bill in it's got to reject it and they're like hey like can you help us with the bill collector and can you help us with the screen so we figured out the screens we figured out the green screens and showing that actually is kind of what proved to the 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 playback department that we could actually do this stuff so they they started trusting us with more stuff on set and like the uh, the props department um they you know their guys you know they're the head of props he's like well you guys know how the bills co bill collectors work could you take one to our props workshop and and rip it apart with them and we ended up getting a really good relationship with the guys in the props department which leads to the you know the camera thing which we'll talk about later um so but they you know they built this from scratch and the really cool thing about this photo booth is that it's completely modular so if you want to take a shot of the girls from behind them, they would just take the roof and the back off and they would, you know, the girls would do their lines again for, you know, the dozenth take and they would film it from, you know, every angle. So, and, or even just the shot of the girls ahead, they removed this whole front half so that they could see the girls reactions in real time. So, but yeah, it was really cool. Um, all the neon lighting was fake. It was all this LX product that they had, which was really, really gnarly. Um, we actually tracked some of that down. It's not cheap stuff, but it's really, really cool. We thought we'd add that into this in case anyone wants to put some into their collection. That might be cool. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah, here's the inside of the Zaxxon. Um, now this oh, is, yeah, this is, this is cool. Drop throw that off the roof. Blasphemy. So I think before I got involved, they had purchased this and I think they were trying to find a way that they could record gameplay the digital gameplay from that and then yeah. like put it on the other cabinet somehow. And, and then it got so relegated to that... the teaching tool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it actually became the teaching tool in our shop. So it sat in our shop, like through the whole thing. And uh, you know, we were a few times when we had the girls come in and, and they would kind of play it. And um, I know the first day that we, uh, we sat down with them, they didn't get a whole lot of hand time on the game. Cause they, I think that was actually the first time the girls met was that that one day in that shop that was yeah yeah and, and um so they played it for a few minutes or whatever i know that um the, the girl that plays riley uh she came in later and she played it a bit one day and um you know so so they did get a little hands-on and we had to coach them a bit on the day that we were shooting the principal photography for it um but but yeah i wonder where that ended up chance do you know anything about that all I know is that the majority of anything that wasn't our personal collections um, ended up going into a warehouse. And mm -hmm. uh, the production has moved to Vancouver for the second season. 
Um, that's not like private knowledge or anything. We all kind of know about it. And so I, I think HBO was very, very clear that they didn't want to release, like, you know, sell anything that they could use down the road. That's, you know, from what we know, from the murmurs that we hear that a lot of the games and stuff that they owned, the Mortal Kombat 2 cabinet that they owned, the Hero cabinet, that eventually will make its way. I, not because it'll make it into the future season, but they want to have those assets. Um, when Is a film production Bob Cunningham's going to move it to Vancouver? Yeah. Well, but they just, they, they want to have those assets ready in case they're going to use them. Like there was a lot of things like in our boneyard, we had this little led sign or the, no, it was an actual neon sign that said play pinball here. Yeah, it was we love that sign. Thing, yeah. yeah. We, we tried to buy it. And I, I mean, it's like weird that we were able to, I was able to buy that turtles cabinet. Like I actually had a, a, a back and forth with one of the executive producer or no, um, uh, one of the one of the executives basically like who wanted it for her kids. But I said, like, I had to go and burst her bubble and say, like, I'm using this as a, as the tool to to like propose to my wife and it's like her favorite game and she's like oh okay you can you can have it and um i paid them for it buy that, but, buy that kid a one-up yeah well that i offered i was gonna leave a one-up in her office with like one of those little notes cut out of individual letters from uh from like magazines going like okay yeah, you win though. like yeah exactly be like like back off like um but okay so moving on so this is the food court. Um, like it, it looks like legit, like post-apocalyptic. They were so good at, at dressing. They had a, a, they call it the greens department that does all like the fake, um, like leaves and stuff. So they would come in and they would dress the entire thing. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, you're going to see lots of that where they like destroyed them all. And you can see like all the fake leaves on the ground. That was the green department, like doing a test. Like, how is this going to look? Uh, the paint department would come in and like, paint all this decrepit like dripping from the the walls it's like we want to make it look as real as possible so there's a lot of a lot of effort put into this to make it look as as real as they can um oh, yeah. that's pre-rendering of the, the pre-rendering yeah so that that that's kind of like the picture that there you can see it in the previous picture it's off on the right that's them trying to to match that uh that look in that feel, feel. uh which is really cool uh, so there's, you know, our boneyard kind of evolved over time. There's that little neon sign that we had. Um, so they had this, this is the, there's a quick little funny tangent story about this. Um, so this merry-go-round, we were told this used to be in a mall in Calgary at Chinook mall here in Calgary. It was sold a number of years ago to a private collector down in Texas. So they packed it up, sent it to Texas. And then I guess production found it, brought it back to Calgary to use for the, the filming. Josh, Josh took a picture with, I think your daughter. Yeah. Years this? ago, probably was almost like 10 years before we were there yeah. on set. It was almost to the day too. Um, it was in, it was in early January in like 2012 or something that we went to that mall and I was on that merry-go-round with my daughter and I had a picture. So and then literally I actually Facebook ended up finding, reminded you about it too. Yeah. That day yeah, later. That we were there with it. Mm -hmm. I actually creepy. went and found the horse that she was sitting on and like took a picture of it there. So it was kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So being that this mall was huge, like a lot of us, we just, these little rascal scooters or no, rascal scooters, um, razor scooters, <laughs> rascal scooters. We were on them basically half the time trying to get around. Uh, but like, again, you can see now they've got the neon signs up. There's a Spencer's gifts next door that they completely dressed out. Um, you know, just kind of us testing now that the photo booth was up and, and running. Um, so like one of the other things that Josh and I do now, uh, is, is green screens with markers. 
So this was one of the slides that we had up in the photo booth to so that the VFX department could come in later and match the content. This is eventually how they ended up doing the shot, was adding that VFX layer in uh, to it. We did it practically on the day as well, where I sat there with a laptop and I went through the slides. Um, but the take with this where they could VFX it, they had just more control over, so they chose to go that way. Um, Josh and I actually joke that in our line of work now, when we do this for like cell phones or or TV screens or monitors, that we say green is the color of failure for us um, because we've gotten so proud of like being able to do it practically. Um, okay, so there's we a bit even of a made t-shirts. We, we did, even yeah. Made I don't know. <laughs> well, we didn't. Did. The art department made them for us and gave them to us. They're Fargo shirts because we worked on Fargo afterwards, and they're like green is the color of failure. Um, so so anyway, back to the back to the arcade stuff. So I I won't show this video, but one of the things that we wanted to do because there's a Pepsi machine behind the girls, we wanted to drill out that lock so that we could open it up and pull the lighting out of the Pepsi machine. Eventually we just ended up turning off the Pepsi machine because we probably sat there for an hour and a half trying to drill that stupid lockout. And it backfired because later, a couple of days later when we were actually filming on the main day, I was like a couple of meters from this, but because production had walked through it as they were dressing the set, they had carried all the metal shavings everywhere onto that part of the floor. So the whole day we were actually filming, I was down on my stomach behind this ticket counter and I was lying in all of these metal shavings. Um, anyway, so yeah, Liberty, Liberty Gardens in Boston, uh, which was kind of weird. We have a lot of stupid pictures of me on set. So sorry. Okay, <laughs> um, so some of the pinball that went in there. Uh, I don't think, did these, did the genie make it on set or did that get cut? Genie, genie got cut. Yeah, genie didn't yeah. get in. Are you sure? Because I, I watched the clip and I remember seeing a genie. Maybe I don't know. There, we had we had so many. We had like double the amount of pins that we needed. Like that, I think that it was, Mars attacks. Sorry, was yeah, it genie? There's surf surf and safari. Yeah, I think genie actually was in there. Yeah, it did. So this was that. our final lineup, I think. And then and we this had the remake um, Mars, the, right? Yeah, that was the remake Mars. So. Okay, really weird. This, this is owned by Arlen at Pinbar down here in downtown Calgary. Um, we went and changed over all of the settings to make it so that it blinks properly. Um, we went and changed it, took the color off, but you can tell because it's you know the big screen, not the little DMD. But the one thing that we couldn't hide was all of, because this is an LE, was the green armor on the pin. And by pure happenstance, when they turned on all of this crazy neon lighting, the green armor just disappeared and turned black. So that that that's actually a green, all the metal parts on that attack from Mars are green, are green. but now they're, they're just black because of the lighting, which is really weird. And uh, funny story, uh, you can't see it in the final product, but so that, you know, Josh and I, that's the same Mars attacks that Josh and I did for the Canadian Arcade. We did a bunch of episodes on a long time ago. That was when Arlen was setting up Pinbar, that was sitting in my living room for a month. And like Vanessa and I, we put like a thousand plays on it before it even left the house. And on the attract mode, we had put like youtube.com slash the Canadian Arcade. We just left that on there when we were filming The Last of Us because we were kind of hoping that it would show up in the in the loop. And well, you know, Easter egg. that little hidden Easter egg, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can see it's green. <laughs> um, but yeah, at this point now the carpet's gone in. They've you know they've added all these uh, mirror tiles to the roof, uh, and kind of the the total placement was done. We had gone through and and left like signage on everything saying like okay, so you know this make tracks needs an LX marquee light, and you know this 720 needs these changes. So we were kind of doing you know our our last ditch changes. 
Um, and like a few things got moved, like that joust got, I think that joust got moved down and the Zaxxon got moved up or was the other way around? No, uh, joust, joust was up there for the principal shots. It was there for the whole. Oh, it was, it was my, my battle yeah, joust zone. was prominent. Yeah, but no, it was, sorry. It was my battle zone got moved up to the left of where this continental circuit is. So we, you know, tweaked the monitor on that and, uh, and put it up on top. Um, can I mention, can you go back to that previous shot? Yeah, sure. So you, you talked about how they were very concerned about catering to the 1%. Um, yeah. I do not see any fire sprinklers in this building. And as part of the 1% of people who design <laughs> fire sprinkler systems, I am absolutely <laughs> furious about this. I'm okay, that's the point zero 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 one percent I'm canceling all my subscriptions. <laughs> show, I'm actually quitting this podcast you, because of this. You, you say that, but also Jerry Voluptuous, a channel member in the live chat here, he is also in the fire protection uh, oh, business wow. too, so... I, well, I assure you guys that like the the amount of health and safety because we did this during COVID, right? Like the entire time we were there, we were masked up with N95s. The 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 amount of you know just in the Hollywood you world, know, though, the amount of health and safety is amazing. I'm I gonna say though, I was watching this aside, scene. I was gonna say aside from the whole COVID thing, you wanted to wear an N95 mask in that mall yeah. just because of the sheer amount of dust that they added in the environment. And I think we'll probably have some pictures of that a little later on. But oh, I mean, yeah. they literally had real like leaves and debris and stuff in the hallways. And I know like we would be out there um, trucking our games back and forth from our boneyard to the arcade, like as we were working on things or needed to take something back to work on it. Um, you know, we would sweep up a path and then you would just see all this crap in the air. I remember one day we were there with all the lights off and I have like a, one of those torch flashlights, super bright and and turn that on and just the crap that was in the air like yeah you want to wear that n95 so <laughs> we we were there one night and it was like we're in danger like straight up it was the creepiest thing because we like i said we would work there till like midnight one o'clock and they had round o'clock security and like some weekends like we just had to get a certain part of the project done and we would spend, you know, all night there and we're like, we'd walk around and there'd be these piles of mannequins because they had pulled them out of like the 50 stores in the mall. And it was like, I was like, oh man, <laughs> it was creepy. Um, but so yeah, that actually, the dust thing. So there's actually this product that they have. It's like a heavy earth. It's like a ground up uh, seashell. It was a uh, seashells. Yeah. Seashell, yeah. And they'll spray it to weather certain things. Uh, and so like we had to say like, after we filmed the first day of the four days, it's like, this is a hot set. Um, I think we actually, we'll show that in a little bit. Um, the, yeah, we ate like kings on that set. The catering companies that we have were just amazing. Um, okay, so next little thing. So this is what we call a, a, a wild control panel or a wild panel. They had us build from scratch a duplicate control panel so that in theory, um, I think there's another picture of it. Uh, that's... I think we have them side by side in one of the we pictures. Do. We do. Yeah. We'll, we'll come. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, I think did the no. So yeah, as we we finally got everything kind of laid out, you can see the wild control panel back there in the in the far side. Josh and I like quickly like took some glory snaps. We weren't probably supposed to film any of this. Just just a disclaimer. We're probably you know we're waiting when the Ars Technica article was released um, about it. Like. At that point, like we had kind of told people, so the Ars Technica article was like, a, "Oh crap! Like we're in trouble." Like I was, we we were sitting at Pinbar with you know some people uh, in the film community at that time, and Josh like tapped on my shoulder because earlier that morning he had said like he had dropped the, you know, we had started talking about it in the club thread on the pin side thread, 
And then like the Ars Technica article came out and we're like, uh, we're waiting for the lawyers to call us. But like, they again, found us. they found us, but, they found us. <laughs> but we were, we were very like, we want to be very clear that like our experience was amazing. Like nothing, yeah. Oh, yeah. there was nothing, there's no, nothing even negative to say there, there couldn't be because it was such a good experience. Um, yeah. Do not shake the machines. They were very diligent with the details of like yeah, some of the I little things the that they put. Machine. Isn't that great? They, so I have the, that's the 60. I have the, the half size version of that down in my collection. And which is the Remember greatest. We had to go, we had to go through that machine and make sure there were toys in there that yeah. were from new IPs that existed after 2003 or whatever. Yeah. We dug out everything that, that they couldn't like... license to, um, except for that Bugs Bunny. We left that Bugs Bunny in there, I think, by accident. I think that's Warner anyway, right? So Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Bugs Bunny in my claw machine behind me. Funnily enough. Yep, I do. I see him. Oh, that's wicked. <laughs> I love that claw machine that you have, by the way. I don't, I don't want one. If, if you're listening to this, please don't try and sell me one. But like, I love that. I think that's the gnarliest claw machine ever. Good luck finding they're, that one. Dude, they're the, but they're the greatest, as a small tangent, we have a lot of like arcade parties over in my place. They are the greatest babysitter on the planet because you just leave your kids with it. You know? I just had three. I just had three little kids over today. Some friends of mine brought their kids over, and they ran probably thirty bucks through this one. Probably oh, you're 20, cheap. You actually probably, make them pay. <laughs> well, I've got a, a can of quarters sitting around here, but they ran about thirty no, bucks through go. that one. They ran about twenty bucks through this one. That's the hundred year old claw machine. They go. That's they they cool. play the video games like once, and they play the claw machines the whole rest of the time. Well, we when we first got mine in my collection, I have like Flynn's arcade tokens from from the Disney thing, and so the idea was that was going to be the only game that we were going to put on tokens, and we were going to make it put, set it to like easy mode, and then like my my like Je Vanessa and I don't have kids, but like we just live vicariously through all of our friends when they come over for like Christmas parties or birthday parties or summer things, and like so initially it was going to be like okay if you beat Uncle Chance on a video game here's a token like I'm not going to actually like competitively beat them but like here's a token go grab something out of the claw machine but it like like after day one it, we were like okay screw that like just leave the claw machine on hard and like let the kids play it because when they come down to my basement that's all they want to do so um so here's the yeah here's the wild control panel of course the buttons are in the opposite they're reversed <laughs> apart from it i actually discovered that and fixed it to match remember we yeah were like, yeah oh the God. last zero hour <laughs> But the, so, Jerry Voluptuous had a comment about the dust washers. Back, back to the one percent. Yeah, sorry about that. We we didn't. We just there's some things that we just couldn't catch. Like we caught as much as what we could, but like at the end of the day, we looked at it like this. So we have a very good way to retcon every little bit of one percenter like uh, rivet counting out there. This arcade essentially we we feel in in our own world is our interpretation of it was something that was an enthusiast who set it up in this mall just before you know the 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 end of the world and he had a like a ramshack collection of little things and he had done some of his own tweaks to it so we kind of think that that's a good way to answer why some of the things like why there's you know a lack of certain cabinets in there and cuz like obviously you wouldn't coin up some of these games you know well you know and Distrib distribution was uneven across North America, right? And plus, yeah. right, as we've all experienced in our own lives and collections and restorations and stuff, operators did crazy, crazy stuff back in the day. Like, yep, maybe oh, there, yeah. maybe somebody out there did play a Taito uh, mispack. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, going back to it. The, so this wild control panel, this was designed, we never actually ended up using this, but this was designed so that, that the camera, shot. we didn't do that shot at all. So that they could, they could take the more, the hero mortal Kombat out. They could put the film camera where it was sitting and then they could shoot the girls back like face on playing the game so that you could kind of see their hand movements like a little bit downwards so that's why this exists as a wild control panel we did and spend like all this time angle, and money yeah. yeah but but again it, it it it's like we need to have this ability to do it if the shot calls for it and you know the girls are going to do that same shot like 20 30 different times in a 16 hour day for sorry 14 hour day um but we need to have the ability to do that so it was there on hand if they decided to change it so um, so oh, another yeah, look at our boneyard as we kind of started evolving things. There's my my playmatic. Um, but one of the one of the things that we were very very particular on was saving all of the monitors. Anything that we took because we're we're enthusiasts in our own right. We wanted to make sure that everything that we took apart we put back together. Especially you know the games that belong to other collectors. We wanted to to take care of them as best as possible. Um, so yeah, like we had a, like an, a, a cordoned off zone for all the tubes and we faced them so that nobody accidentally necked anything. And, um, what do we got here? So yeah, so the hallway oh, you yeah. can see is the dressings of the hallway. Um, so we, we actually filmed this, uh, across four days. So on the first day, uh, and, and it wasn't like, wasn't in a row. So this was January 14th. They did a wide angle shot and that's the girls standing out um looking like oh my gosh like here's the here's the arcade for the first time that was filmed on the 14th um and, and then this particular picture i will say that those those are the stand-ins yeah um, those are the stand-ins so, over the, well, they're not a the lot real of times guy. they'll have a shot they'll have a shot set up and as they're like getting the lighting set up and the cameras you know tuned and everything in its place like well they don't want the real actors standing around so, so those were their reproduction and, actresses well, These no, it, it's standards. Yes, it's it's really important. Like, I, land. I, yeah. Well, but when I was when I was younger and I didn't understand how filming is actually done, I thought a oh, stand-in that's got to be a great like a cushy job. We actually know some stand-ins from some of the other projects we've worked on and how important that role is, because at the end of the day, the actors are professionals and they have to they have to give it their all in that scene and they have to do it, you know, forty thousand times over the course of however many days while they're on set. So it it's not practical from a, a, the standpoint of keeping them on set because it's, there's very little time in a day of production where you're actually filming the actual actors and the cameras are actually rolling. Um, otherwise, it would just be a nightmare for editing. But there's a lot of hurry up and wait. There's a lot of there's a lot of like lighting set up and and changes that are made so that the 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 the, the creatives can get their vision in the camera. And so the stand-ins are very important for that, where they can stand in that space. They're usually the same height, same build, same look. They put them in the same, the exact same uh, uh, wardrobe so that the lighting and the camera departments, and especially the guys who pull focus, they can practice those moves and get everything ready between each setup. For, for this particular image right here, got a, a good question from uh, one of my channel members, Sean. Who's asking? You know what? What happened to the the blue ceiling? Is this after VFX or, or oh, what's going on there? So sorry. So this is again the mall was a giant ring, and so like this. I, I think I had a map somewhere of the whole mall, but the mall is a giant ring. So the blue screen is actually on the far side of the mall. 
on the on the complete well, so they other didn't hallway. do the whole they didn't do the whole mall like that no they just did they just did one strip that was the upstairs part of the mall it was gotcha. on the other end of the food court so but yeah this one they they went they went hard on this as far as like weathering like everything got painted every inch of everything got painted because you know if you see it just for a brief second it needs to it needs to sell it like you you don't want to be pulled out of the of the world so so answering your previous question, yes, we did mess up some of the monitors. So that's the make tracks with the broken sink. Um, and then, Love you know, it. of course, we, we got our our glory shots. After the first day of filming that approach scene on the 14th, we jumped in and um, the art, uh, one of the crew members is like, hey, guys, like we got to take a picture of you guys in the arcade that you built so or helped build. So um again we got fed oh, really more, well more lunch craft more services lunch. oh man well this is catering so craft craft services i i could i could never figure this out there is a, a a booth or a trailer or a table usually on set that's craft services and they have all the kind of snacks and and you know sandwiches at certain times and uh another substantial later in the afternoon like a hot snack later in the afternoon where you actually uh, get a chance to you know to eat something a little bit more substantial because a lot of the times you can't leave set you're so busy and so if you need something like i need a stick of gum or i need coffee or i need like you know a pep and ched or something you can go over to craft services and get some fruit or whatnot is that but, like poutine well you're right but in in the morning and at lunch because everything's really regimented with the time schedule just how the unions work it's really cool we are fed really really well in most cases um, and so this is like, I think we had, you know, dinner that or lunch that day at around, you know, 645. That was our lunch because our call time was like one o'clock, I think, uh, no 12, 12 o'clock, I think. Cause it's six hours after. Um, so then anyway, so after we filmed that first day on the 14th, we made this big sign called hot set. And at this point, hot set means you can't touch anything on set because now they've established that shot and you're not allowed to change anything. But, Actually, but they did. They did <laughs> that Omega race in the background. Um, I can't remember why it's probably not important, oh, but it was because it was flashing on and off the marquee. Oh, it was the was marquee blinking. light was going on and off. Yeah. And... and I think we pointed that out and instead of changing it, they're like, well, like in changing the lighting settings, the decision was, can we pull that out and can we put another game in there? And at this point, the only thing left that we had that hadn't been cleared was like two or three games. One of them was another Robotron. And that Robotron is the is the like it's in the claw thread. It's the um it's the homemade. It's the one everybody kit. pointed out that was yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh like can Those we just darn move my one percenters? Yeah. Well, no, that was like the five percent. They're like, hey, that's not a real Robotron. Um so anyway, we came back that's a couple a of days one. later on the 17th and we did like a shot with this this big giant ultra quiet techno crane that would like that that's that shot where it pulls out and then pulls down the hallway that's like a 30 foot long crane that thing's amazing it takes like a team of five people and they every single one of the guys that run those cranes like they're artists in their own right to be able to do that like it's it's really really cool you can imagine like having an rc car and then controlling it play, with five separate can people you play, this is a video chance i think this is, is a video are you able to play the clip uh no i think that's the still yeah, I know you had a still. video of it. I don't think it's in this gallery. Um, okay, so going back to the Hero Mortal Kombat really quickly. So this is this is kind of how we 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 operated the Mortal Kombat. So Josh and I sat down and and we choreographed all the fight scenes based off of the script beats. Josh went and treated 
uh, all of those. We went back and forth with Josh's collection in his house, like just around the corner from where he's sitting right now. He's got the same monitor in a in a cabinet that would also be in this Mortal Kombat. So he tuned the 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 chromatic aberration and the the little bit of a bubble on the on the look to match the CRT you know, roundness of the CRT and the, and the scan lines as close as he could to it. And then we threw all that footage into files, into VLC. And then we have a stream deck here that's set up with all the different script beats for the two scenes that we're going to film here on the 18th. And that was the main day that we shot it. So I basically had this set up. This was just a test and just, just minutes before we started filming actually, um, cause we have a 50 foot HDMI cable running from this MacBook air, uh, over to that OLED that's sitting into the hero mortal Kombat. And just minutes before we went to film this, um, they had to move the Mortal Kombat because Electrics had to get in to change something underneath it. And I, I don't know, there was a miscommunication or something and the HDMI cable got ripped out of the back of the TV. So like we have no, like we're literally, you know, we've got, you know, a hundred people here in a film crew, you know, worth, you know, hundreds of dollars a second trying to film this, this entire day. And it's about to accidentally come crashing down. So like Josh and I jumped in there and like, as calm as Hindu cow, like we jumped in there and like replaced the HDMI cable and got it working. And like, there was, it a, was a special cable panic. too. It was a, uh, it was an optical, an optical HDMI, HDMI. Yeah. Yeah. To run uh, 50 not, feet. Not a gold plated one from Best Buy. No, no, I used to Oxygen sell those back injected. in the day, a monster cable. But but when you have a 50-foot HDMI cable, you it at 4K like this, we have to be able to send the full signal to it. And so at that point it kind of does matter what your cable is. So this was this was an optical uh, uh HDMI cable that we had. Thank thank goodness we had bought two of them. And thank goodness for Amazon because like you know, the day before we had to arrive so that we could do this because we had done tests to make sure it would work. Um, just kind of like thinking ahead of what all the problems could be. And so this was kind of like that morning, my setup, I was like, I was getting ready. And then I realized, crap, like they're going to, they're going to be filming this direction. Like I'm hot. Like I can't be in this shot. I'm going to be in the shot. It's, it's hot. This part of the set's hot for me. So it's like the decision was made, um, to hide me behind the film, or the ticket counter. So the entire like day, a puppeteer. I'm like a puppeteer. Yeah. Like, like the world's worst puppeteer. I'm sitting behind this film counter. So I've got in front of me, I've got my stream deck. I've got my MacBook, which is operating that OLED in the Mortal Kombat as the second screen. And then to the right, I've got an iPad with our viewer that I can see all three camera feeds. Uh, so I can see where the girls are pointing, but half the time, because in, in one year I've got my onset headset where I can listen to and talk to the crew and you know, the director and, and whatnot. But on the other ear, I've got uh, what's called a ComTech. And that's a way that I can get the sound department to pipe in the sound of the actors on set so I can hear what they're saying so I can interact with them in real time. So when the girls walk up to the cabinet, the 15 minute attract mode is going. But then when I hear them drop that coin, just because of my experience in coin op, I know, oh, I've got to press button two and that's going to switch over to the coin drop screen. And then, you know, when she hits the start button, I press the next button that switches to the character selection. And the entire time, the girls are miming that with their hands. And Josh is, while I'm sitting here in the, you know, in the metal shavings from the pot machine uh, on, on my stomach the entire 18 hours of the day, Josh is actually off in the distance. Um, yeah, see, there's me. Um, Josh is actually, how do we get that off my butt? 
Josh is actually uh, sitting in a nice comfy chair with the directors and producers and script supervisor uh, working, you know, with the actors and, and the, you know, the, what we call the adults, um, just saying like, okay, that movement wasn't right. Or that movement was great. Like, how do we make this as realistic as possible? HBO was really, really focused on making sure that like little things like that were sellable. So, so you really were almost like a puppeteer, right? In the pit, except, you know, instead of controlling Alf or Kermit the Frog or whatever, you were controlling you were controlling the game right that, that kind of goes to a question another question that channel member sean was asking about you know did the actors actually play the game while filming or was it someone slash something else and it was it was actually you down in this pit well it was it was josh and i that had played it like two months before and we actually right, so you're like hitting those pre-recorded uh segments yeah. 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 And then the girls were doing a really solid job and because they take the same take over and over and over and over again. Um, and then they change, you know, if you've ever seen like a clapper, like those slates, that is the code for what shot they're on, what take they're on, what angle they're on, what film role they're on, you know, what the LUTs they're using for that scene is. And, you know, they'll, you know, we, for another show that we worked on, I won't mention what it was, but we filmed this one shootout scene we were there for like three days filming like a 30 second scene because they needed to get every single angle of that action and so for this like no we had pre-recorded that was like the whole point of this is josh and i had pre-recorded all of that stuff and then we had it all prepped at one point since from the point where we pre-recorded it to this day on the 18th when we were filming we actually had a show and tell uh, with Craig, Craig Mason and all the other producers and everything. And we were, we were showing them like, look, okay, I think we've solved your problems. Um, and Paul, uh, the, uh, the assistant director, the first, first assistant director, first AD. Yeah. Paul comes over to us and he's like, you know where I'm from? They just press a button. Cause we were, we were using VLC to click between all of the different scenes. He's like, you know where I'm from? Cause he's like, he's like massive. Like Paul's huge. He's like where I'm from, you know, they just have a button that they just press and it just does it. So like literally the next day I Amazon a stream deck and I had it set up and I was like, okay, Paul, like if we, we got a button now, here's your button. And so, here's your button. And just like the look on his face, he's like, Oh man, these kids, like, I can't, I can't, I can't stump these kids. Like, um, but anyway, so yeah, it was, it was pre-recorded content. Um, and then, you know, of course we moved the production in a little bit further uh, closer. And so now they've moved video village where the director's, and the, um, and the script supervisor set and Josh kind of, you know, ever so slowly is getting further into the arcade. Um, so anyway, so that was, we thought that was it. And okay, cool. You know, 14 hour, 16 hour day on set. We've had now two days where we filmed the arcade. We think it's done. So we start, you know, we've been here two months. We start packing up, started making lists on things like, okay, the Daytona, pull the LCDs, pull the playback boxes, you know, pull the LX lighting, burn this thing in a fire specifically because that Daytona and I were nemesis. And so we get around and we, we labeled all the arcade games and, and, you know, there's one on Mortal Kombat, what we had to do to it to put it back to normal. And then, you know, a few days later, we had started ripping apart, you know, all of these rented games that they had pulled from a company out in Eastern Canada and getting them ready to go because these were all like the fake ones that they had rented before we got involved and uh, just like running little game elves and whatnot. I think I have too many pictures of those. Yeah, here they are. These are the eight that they had. Uh, not all of them got used like the jam or the double dragon or the burger time for that matter. Uh, but so we, we got this all ripped apart. And then a little while later, the production comes to us and they go, okay, we got to do a pickup shot. And we're like, we just, we just tore half of the arcade apart. And they're like, okay, we'll put it all back together. Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. 
whatever yeah, you guys whatever you guys need and so we we threw everything we like literally took another couple of days and we did it like overnight kind of thing uh because it was just it cost effective is just you're spending so much effort to get the shot that they had to come back around and say well like we we need this other angle we need this other shot we're missing this so you know they'll come back and, and they'll do it and we, we got it thrown together in fact we were so last second doing the last little bits of restoring everything the way it is josh took i think Josh or one of the other crew took this picture of me hiding because they hit, they said action and they started recording before I could get and out of the room. You were still in the arcade. Yeah, yeah. I was stuck. I was in behind so the wall somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're filming the girls walking through this one shot and like I had to duck down behind the Zaxxon because I, I literally couldn't hold production up to get out of the room. I couldn't, there's a fake room around the corner behind that Robotron. I couldn't get out. I had to hide behind the Zaxxon in order to get this done. So that's our next t-shirt. I had to duck down behind the Zaxxon. <laughs> the Zaxxon uh, was finally worth something. It did yeah, something. Exactly. <laughs> no one's script the Zaxxon, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, for the most part, was was pretty much their okay. There's a, a couple of little things we'll just we think might be cool that we'll show you guys. So we, you know, they they I guess they liked us. Uh, they probably won't after seeing this because we're giving away trade secrets. But we're, we're saying a lot of nice things about the people, so hopefully they'll invite us back. Um, but like you know, we got a tour of the production. So like that entire that entire cul de sac that you know that they had that big episode five. I think episode that five. That that was all built. There's there's pictures of this all over the internet where they had actually built all those fake houses. So like this is the model that they had of that, which was really cool. I'm probably gonna get in a lot of trouble for showing this picture. Um, but yeah, and then we ended up getting a tour of you know some of the hallways, some of the other sets in the studios. And you know we weren't we weren't anything. We're still not anything in the film industry. We're just you know we're just happy to be on board. Uh, where they'll have us so you know it was big for us that they were like come on like come come tour come tour our sets and like that whole that whole museum thing that they have i think in the first episode uh where they go into the boston museum episode two. that that's episode two that's a set that's a 70 story tall set that you can 70 walk foot or something yeah. 70 foot yes or sorry 70 story 70 foot tall set that you can walk out of up at the top and and like look down and and see like scaffolding everywhere this is so cool this was all built by some of the like the most amazing craftsmen that i've ever met in my life and they're calgarians like they're they're albertans like we we have the capability here the guys are amazing um and even even you know and they, our crews are so great like we we hear this all the time when when people from los angeles or new york come out or vancouver come out here they're like they're so happy to work with albertans because we're we're so not that other people aren't but like we 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 leave such an impact about you know how great our crews are how professional and how lovely and how like funny and nice our crews are to work with so you know oh yeah so like when you walk out of the the, the door up here there's a door and you turn around um you know this is a video i don't know if i'll just kill the audio it's coming through yeah so um, the video is yeah. coming through perfect like that's just surreal to me that that's on a soundstage you know and you're 70 feet up in the air um it's almost halloween i don't know why that's in there <laughs> in case anyone was falling asleep that's take one bag of sprite um oh, yeah, so anyways so so that was it for us and we're like okay wrap it up you know have you whatnot and then so small small side tangent story because josh and i had debated on how we were going to run the mortal Kombat from day one and one of the methods that we were going to do was projection. We were going to try and like take, you know, the tube 
of a 25 inch tube, 23 inch tube, and we're going to try and vacuum form a screen and make a little projection screen. And that just wasn't going to work. And that's why we went OLED. But some of the props and, and art department and set decoration departments heard about that. And so they're like, hey, in episode one, we've got this scene where we've got these old giant cameras. You know, we're going to have this shot where they track behind it. We need we need to be able to make that little CRT viewfinder on the back of these cameras work. So eventually, yeah, there that's that there. So, you know, I spent two weeks, you know, a couple, this is with May. So this is a couple of months later. I spent two weeks in the prop department with them kind of like developing this technique where we use projectors and, you know, we gutted these NBC, these old NBC, these were night from the sixties. Uh, we gutted these old production cameras. And so we shoved Pico projectors and um, uh, Nikon uh, DSLRs in the, in the lenses so that we could do two separate focal points and then we've connected this all up. And then uh, where is it? Yeah, we tested like every single Pico projector that I could get my hands on for Flickr. Um, oh, that's the, that's not important. That's the, uh, in the last episode, the elevator. So the, the, the digits, that's him controlling, you know, what floor he's going to. This is totally full of spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched the show, by the way. Um, so yeah, we, we ended up getting these running. And as a proof of concept, we played an episode of the Canadian Arcade on the projectors to make sure that, you know, it worked. There you go. But we we took the, the 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 glass panel from one of the intact CRTs from these cameras, and we vacuum formed um, these tiny little projection screens. And we must have done this like I think like thirty or forty times to make you know to, to find the material that would actually work so that it wouldn't look pixelated and sparkly through the projection screen. And you know we finally settled on a projector that would work, and uh, you know we made all these little like plexiglass shelves and whatnot inside the camera. Um, yeah, so like all the different screens, because I, I was probably like a week there, I was testing different screens that would work for backlighting them. Um, and then we made two of them, because you have to have two, because there's two in the shot. Um, and then, yeah, we wired them all up. So all the lights on the camera, all the little dials on the back, the little live light, they blink. We had a guy offset on the day that was changing, you know, camera one or camera two, which one was blinking for which one was live when they filmed that 1970s intro. Um, and yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. Uh, you can see how they're like one, you know, one's like a close up, one's telephoto and one's wide angle. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of, kind of what became of that. So little, little side note. Um, oh, we can get rid of that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the Canadian arcade does Hollywood for the first little bit. And while so we were cool. wrapping up, we got a phone call saying like, Hey, do you guys want to work on a Netflix show? So it's been like non, if, if t in the longest roundabout way in the last hour and a half of talking about this, that's why we haven't done episodes of the Canadian arcade because we've been yeah, doing all stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what was it like? So when it was all said and done, right. And the, the episode is, as aired, it was out a couple of months ago when it was all said and done, what was it like going back and watching the final product on TV? You know, Josh. I, yeah, I, I had the script for episode seven. It, it was actually funny because it was supposed to be episode eight. Uh, the way they filmed them, we were told this was episode eight. And then they actually combined episode one and two. Um, so what they originally filmed as one and two just became episode one. And then everything shifted down an episode number. So anyway, episode seven, I had the script for it. And I could have read like the whole episode, but I really kind of kept myself away from it. And just focused on, okay, I know our scenes are, you know, between this and this. So I'm only going to look at these pages. I don't want to spoil anything. So, you know, it was kind of weird 
for us, I, I have to say, like working on the show, we saw a lot of behind the scenes stuff that were outside of our episodes. Like we would hang out at the props department or we were in like the sound stages. So we saw a lot of things that they had used the you know, deer around. And oh. also living in li- living in Calgary, too. Uh, you know, obviously we see places where they were filming and like, hey, I know that that's like down the street from my house or, you know, the the thing where they get to that tunnel and they it's all blocked off and they have to turn around and go back. That's literally like a three minute a block away from, from house. Josh's so, house. Yeah. <laughs> so so through the show, there were little things that kind of like pulled me out of it a little bit because it's like, oh, hey, you know, I've seen that before. Um, but for episode seven you know and i'll i'll be honest like i i knew the last of us story i kind of got the idea of i had never played the game like before the show or before i worked on it um i i didn't really know too much about its lore or like how things work through the story um so watching the show the first time was like a surprise you know we worked through the story just like anybody else would um but i'll have to say it was pretty surreal that moment when they showed that shot of the girl standing outside the arcade and I think for us, like there was this fear, like, oh, maybe they cut the whole scene out of it. Like we didn't know because <laughs> well, they we, didn't, we worked they didn't on show it. any of it in the teaser. And yeah, there was nothing on the teasers or anything. And I'll have to say probably through the whole series that, you know, seven or eight minute scene was probably the most colorful thing through the whole series so far. Um, so it was really like kind of a high point for, for the show, I think, and in, in that it was so colorful and there was this sort of love story in there too. And, and uh, you know, some sadness at the end. Uh, but yeah, it was quite surreal seeing it the first time. And like, I just had chills. Like when I was watching it, like we, we watched it the same time it, it premiered and uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, hard to describe. And I, I mean, you know, we were really, you're, you're always your own worst critic. So I think we were really looking at like, oh, you know, we could have probably done that a little better or, or this could have been done a little better. Or, I wish we had more time to do that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think well, we learned a, a lot. It was a year between when we filmed it. It was roughly a year before the episode aired. And because yeah. like, it takes time to do all the post-production stuff and, and to wrap everything up. And I, I think like I, I knew something was up in that none of the previews nothing none of the like next time on the last of us they would show the arcade and i think that that was such like the mortal Kombat scene was such a pivotal thing and i i again i didn't also i also didn't play the game i'm a, i'm an xbox and nintendo guy so like i had never had any experience with it whatsoever but other uh, unlike josh i read the whole script for that episode and i think you know going forward in the future on any program that we work with like i try not to read the script I get like Josh and I work professionally together with what we do. So it's like, I will just like, we worked on a movie and I was like, dude, just give me, give me what that shot needs for this cell phone or give me what that needs. Cause like for me watching that episode, like it was weird. Like, like I wanted my, my wife was sitting right next to me and I wanted to just like, Hey, Oh, that part, it was this and that, like, I didn't want to ruin it for her. And uh, it kind of like, uh, I, I it, knew, I knew I how the say- soup was made. Yeah. And I say that that's how I apply it to almost anything I watch now, even shows I haven't worked on. Now things jump out at me as like, oh, okay, that's how they did that. And oh, that actually kind of looks fake or they didn't do that very well. And I find myself noticing those things a lot more now after having worked on like a few different TV shows and a movie and, and whatever now. Uh, it's well, kind of. And you, and you guys have touched on that a little bit, right? You've been saying Netflix, you've been saying Fargo, right? Can you, can you share anything more about these other projects that you've been working on? Um, and what we can look forward to? 
Yes and no. So obviously, you know, NDAs and all that kind of stuff. We legally, I mean, we're, we're breaching our NDA, I think, at this point with The Last of Us. I think uh, it, that's... NDA never expires. Is NDA saying, never expires. But, um... but like, this is such a cool thing and it's so arcade focused and like, we're so proud of it. We, you know, we want to do it justice and all the hard work that everyone put into this, especially the crews here. But like, okay, so... We've now, as soon as we, as soon as we got done, we weren't even done wrapping up our boneyard on the last of us. And we had gotten a call from a Netflix show and they're like, Hey, this, this, this next summer, we're going to be filming this entire show. Um, it hasn't aired yet, so I won't say its name, but like, this is why I think like we, we, you know, we're gonna have a ton of cell phones. We're gonna have a ton of laptops, iPads and, and, you know, screens. So there's no, well, there was an arcade scene in it actually. Um, so like, we need you guys to come in and, and do what you do because like oh, there was. And, and I'll mention too, with that arcade scene, it was the most technical hard thing I've had to do yeah. uh, with an arcade game ever. And uh, still is the hardest thing I've had to do. And uh, I'll, I'll explain that someday, but one day uh, when that comes out, yeah. um, we'll have to well, have you guys on to, to talk about that. Yeah, YA yeah. means yeah. young adult or young what's, adult. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Young adult. I learned that term working in this industry. Now I didn't know why like in the novel, they call it YA literature or whatever, but it's really good. Speaking of, speaking of young adults, we might be past Jeremiah's bedtime back there in the corner. I'm See, sorry. I thought uh, I thought YA stood for Ye Are Kung Fu, so that makes a lot more sense now to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did that. Uh, we did that show. Um, we did um, another. There was a Tegan and Sarah. Oh yeah, we can talk about this. There was a Tegan and yeah. Sarah uh, bio series that was done. It's already aired um, called High School. So there is. Uh, we work. I, I we worked for a week on that where there was a little pizza parlor and they needed a little arcade of like a crane and like a half dozen arcade games. So we built that, we spent a week building that. And then it ended up being like 13 seconds in the background blurry, which is totally fine. It's the arcade was still there. Um, still got paid. Know, we still got paid. We set the mood. It was the thing. And then, you know, not long after that, when we were wrapped on all of those projects, uh, we got a call to, to, you know, to work on Fargo, uh, which comes out this November, which we're stupidly excited for. And I think on, on Fargo, there was, there was no arcade stuff on Fargo uh, that we had to like touch on, but like every, we got to use every single trick and invent new tricks, you know, for cell phone interactions or for, um, for TV interactions or like anytime you see a TV in the background, you know, in a scene, you know, if it's sitting in a waiting room, like that TV, that's us running it. Or if that cell phone, if they do an insert shot of that cell phone, that's us running it. And Josh actually had this, this really great idea at one point, because there was this, the scene where a character had to interact with the cell phone. And we designed this, this through Josh's idea, we designed this really cool, like mixture of a green screen wireframe um, that VFX really liked and that the actors could interact with so that the actors don't have to like guess where they have to touch on the screen when they do that shot. And it was so successful that we got that shot in one take and that was in one of our first shots. So it was like, we kind of know like, okay, great. Like we can, we can do this. It we worked. can do better. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, there was no bar set for us. So like, we just want to make cool stuff and make it easy for production to be able to do things. So we're, we're really passionate and we want to like, we want to do more of this. So, you know, now that the strikes are going, hopefully this, this podcast hasn't <laughs> ruined that for us, but um, we just, we just want to make the best stuff that we can. So well, you guys did an amazing job, right? Despite some of the little rivet counters, right? Type of oh, stuff. Yeah. And uh, Jerry's dust washer. You guys did an amazing, amazing job. Sorry, Jerry. We'll and, get the dust washer we, right you know, next time. 
there you go. Yes, and, you. and we, you know, I think I speak for all of us, you know, my co-hosts and all of our, our viewers and listeners. Thank you guys for coming on the program and, and sharing the story with us. Absolutely amazing. All those exclusive photos, uh, uh, really, really, really cool. And, you, and again, you guys did an awesome job, you know, sharing, you know, the, the passion that we all share for this hobby, sharing it with a, you know, mainstream audience. I mean, still technically video game related, right? But, you know, plenty of people who have are watching the show that haven't played the game. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. You're, you're welcome. And, and yeah, there will fun. be more. We, we've got as soon as this all ends like there's a future we've we've been talking so like we'll we'll hopefully we get a chance to do this again and and take it to yes. another level so like anything we can do to promote the hobby and and wherever possible like we we're there so we'll help well we we won't we're going to get canceled by the film studio but it was it was a nice ride while it lasted <laughs> yeah hey i didn't sign an nda right <laughs> guys so Josh and, and Chance, thank you again so much. And, and I know we've talked about this already, but you know, in, in the meantime, until we have you on again for the next time, where can folks find you guys on the internet? Uh, well, youtube.com slash the Canadian Arcade. Um, and and I, we have been keeping something from you guys. Uh, we do have a new episode of the Canadian Arcade uh, that will be airing any second now. The moment this podcast is done, because I don't want to cannibalize your audience, um, I've spent the last week in my office editing uh, another episode of the Canadian Arcade. So you will get uh, Atari Tempest Cocktail Restoration Part 1. Oh, you're muted, Charlie. Oh. He's See, if, if you had told me that, I could have set it up. I mean, I'd probably break it. I could have set it up to, like... Like push the uh, the the stream viewers to the premiere of your of your episode, but I'll send you the link we'll right now. About that. Yeah, but put we, it, at the it, end of our episode, yeah, okay. At the end of our episode, um, here, you know what? I'm just gonna. Yeah, we, we gonna... were talking about how we could make this really meta, and we we've actually done something similar uh, as the end card on ours. So it yeah, so on our end card, podcast. it'll link back to this. Yeah. Um, okay, let me just go into it without starting it. Let me copy that. Grab, yeah, grab we, that link. We just wanted that to be a little surprise. I'll put that there in the private chat on the thing so that you can you can add that at the end. But we just wanted that as a little thank you for you guys for having us on. Um, because like this is cool. Like uh, I don't know. You guys are cool. Yeah, yeah, we, we, for, nah. we need we need to, oh, we just play cool on TV. To... That's right. But yeah, so sweet. So we tried to keep it to 22 minutes, 23 minutes. <laughs> Cause like after, you know, two and a half hours of this, like, do you want more chance? Hey, it's still, it's still early. You know, uh, a lot of people don't have work tomorrow, but uh, so until we get to that, uh, let's go around the horn of the other guys uh, started with Kay, you know, where, where can everyone check you out? Kay. So you can find me on uh, TikTok and Facebook. My Facebook page is mostly my business stuff. So if you're looking to actually, you know, purchase a product or something like that, that's where you find me. But if you just want to see my content about how I do repairs and pickups and restorations and just little things I do along the uh, along my job there at the shop, uh, TikTok at Prime underscore Arcade is where you're going to find most of my content. Awesome. Wake up, Jeremiah. How about you? My name is Jeremiah, and you can find me at the Coin Up Corner YouTube channel. I do videos where basically the whole restoration is in one video, so there's a, a lot of editing. And if you like technical editing, if you do editing yourself, there's a lot of in-jokes with that kind of stuff you'll like. 
There's also jokes about cats and things like that. So if you like any of that stuff, check out Coin Up Corner. And Liam. You can find me and my wife at Retrobotics, youtube.com slash Retrobotics, and on Caleb under 64-bit. We do a little bit of everything, video arcade, pinball, jukebox, that kind of thing. Whatever I can find the time to make a video about with Sam. Awesome. And of course, I'm Charlie from Overtime Arcade. If you're watching this right now, you're watching this on my channel. Uh, appreciate uh, uh, everything from everybody. Josh and Chance, you guys have been awesome. Uh, everyone here that's been watching live. I'll, I'll get back to you a sec. Okay. Everyone here that's been watching live, thank you so much. Uh, hit that like button if you like this. Go and subscribe to the Canadian Arcade if you're not subscribed already. Go subscribe to CoinOp Corner and to Retrobotics and create a TikTok account. It's not just you know crazy dances and, and whatever. Uh, Kate does awesome stuff there. I uh, want to give an, a, a very special thank you to uh, Jerry Voluptuous and Ezekiel, the Chicago Retro Ranger, for the very generous uh, Super Chats. And uh, Chance, I'll kick it back to you before I uh, wrap it up. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, you said earlier in the day, like if there's anything that you're looking for, uh, I got to thank my wife for, you know, <laughs> uh, putting up with my crap today for this. Um, I need to find her tapper tap handles. <laughs> I, I had to mention that. You asked earlier if there were any parts anyone was looking for. I want tapper tap handles really badly for her tapper. And I need the one, not the three really printed ones. There was sale on, uh, on Club recently. There was, yeah. And I missed out on that by like 20 minutes. And he had three sitting there. So like, yes, tap or tap handles. If you haven't heard it enough from me, you'll, you'll hear it in the video. And you don't want the so 3D printed ones. Don't want the 3D printed ones. I want to, because I know those are the M6 threads. I can thread those on. But I, I, I've got a couple of, um, of Galaxian, Galaga Galaxian uh, sticks I'm going to modify. Um, I, just, I just need, I just well, need the... Well, with regard to 3D print, is it, is it the, the repro or is it the, the texture? I'm just curious about this. The texture, the mold lines. I, All I right, mold. So, so there is yeah. a way to get around that. Have you considered using a resin printer? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. We, we tried printing some resin ones. I tried resin casting some of my own. I just, I just need the actual... There's the guys who made them a few years ago on Clove. They've got like a destruction video on YouTube where they like drive over it, throw it in some boiling water. Even those repros, if I could find those, those would be great. But if I could find an original set, like I just, I want to thank my wife for helping me out <laughs> and putting up with me for three months while we filmed this. So if so there's anyone out there who knows signal up. Yeah. Get that bat signal up. Anyone out there, Chance's wife needs tapper tap handles. Yeah. I'm getting a text awesome. message from her right now. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit send. I just put the link to the uh, the new premiering episode uh, of the uh, Canadian Arcade. I'm gonna say thank you to Kay, Jeremiah, Liam, especially Chance and Josh. Thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone for, for watching. I'm gonna Thanks try to make this work. I'm gonna try to make this work. Uh, we're gonna go to the music to Jeremiah's music. Hopefully it's playing now. We're gonna go to the. Yeah. Uh, the intro. Thank you everyone. We'll see you next month.